Welcome to the 339th episode of the So Video Games Podcast, where we talk about any game at all, including new stuff, old stuff, and anything in between. If we are playing it, we'll be talking about it. Today, we are recording on June 4th, 2023. My name is Brad Galloway. I'm the editor of GameCritics.com, and I'm also 50% of this here show. With me is the man who's always willing to share his knowledge, Carlos Rodella. I do have a lot of knowledge uh, today, specifically about video games. Yeah, you do. And other stuff, too. You you got you know a lot of stuff about a lot of things, dude. Oh, I do know a lot of things about a lot of things. My podcast, that's not this podcast. Oh, snap. It's called exactly a lot what of it's things. Called. You know, I didn't even think of that, but now that you bring it up, I think you're correct. You should check that out. It's another show I do every week. And there I have to record go. one tonight, actually. There you go. Um, yeah, I have a lot of knowledge. I mean, we all, you and I both, have knowledge on games because, again, we've mentioned this on the show before, but we've been playing games for 30-plus years. More than 30, getting pretty close to 40. Getting close to 40. Jeez Louise. Yeah. Um, and I have something in housekeeping that is about uh, video games and knowledge about them. All right, cool. Well, we're going to hit that, and we're going to do this show expediently, I think. Uh, we've been doing a couple pretty long shows. I think the last couple episodes have been pretty epic, so I think we're we're on track to maybe do a slightly shorter show today. We'll see how it goes, but uh, in the interest of brevity, let's just, let's just roll on, man. Let's just hit some housekeeping. Um, folks, as you know, Carlos and I share a virtual living space divided down the middle. With a strip of duct tape, my side, his side. We're doing some housekeeping. This house is a mess. I got a couple things, only like two. Carlos, how many things on your side of the room today? Mine's pretty clean. Um, short show, short housekeeping. I don't think I have too many things, really. All right, you, uh, you want to go first or you want me to go first? Um, let's switch it up and have you go first. All right, let's switch it up. I want to do a... I think my only housekeepings today are two check-ins on games that we have talked about before i like to circle back sometimes and kind of like let people know how things are going so Mm. for me uh i want to let people know that i finished star trek resurgence we talked about it last episode Mm -hmm. this is the uh new star trek game which is all new characters and it's kind of in the next generation era as far as timeline goes Uh, i'm not sure if it's canon or not it feels like it's probably canon because they name check a lot of famous characters um and there's also cameos and stuff too and it's also a very telltale-like game in that it is a narrative choice-heavy game. There's like some QTEs and stuff, but basically you're just like, you know, you're watching story unfold, you're making choices. You do walk around a little bit, you explore a little bit, but it's like a telltale-style game, you know, like Walking Dead, that kind of a thing. I think probably most people are familiar with that style of game. Um, so if I was really, really, really high on it last week, and I finished it, and you know what? That game kicks ass that was such a good game from start to finish um a couple issues i mean i think the qtes need some work shooting felt like garbage and flying the shuttle was not great but other than that man what a great script great characters great action i was glued to that game from the moment i turned it on until until credits rolled i cannot recommend it highly enough if you like telltale style games and if you like star trek like you have to play this it is the best the best Star Trek shit since I don't know when. Like, it's really, 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 really good. I mean, I loved it. Well, my quick question is, one, can you turn those QTEs off? You know, I don't think you can turn them off, but I believe, I may be wrong um, because it's been a while since I looked at the options. But you can 
if you fail them a couple times, and I failed them all multiple times. <laughs> exactly. Uh, because the control is terrible. You can just put out a mode that's like story mode, and I believe it just plays it for you and gets you out of it. So okay, I think yeah. that they know yeah. that they suck. Um, and they do. They're terrible. They're really terrible. But the rest of the game is like so great. I can't even really be mad about it um, because it was just so wonderful. The script. I mean, there was so many choices where I was like, oh, just biting my nails about what was going to happen and excited about what was going on and had this like really epic feel of like, it was almost like a Star Trek movie, but since most of the movies are garbage, it was like a good Star Trek movie. Like it was just, man, just whoever whoever was doing this thing over at Dramatic Labs, boy, they they knew their shit. They knew how to make a good narrative game. They knew the Star Trek stuff inside and out, and it was just like, even as a as a casual Star Trek fan, like it gave me so much shit that I didn't even know that I wanted. And then once I had it, I'm like, yes, I absolutely wanted this. It is well, there top, you go. top to bottom, front to back, class act. I loved it. So good. Interactive uh, adventure and uh, good storytelling, but how long did it take the whole thing? Do you, think? you know, it was actually much longer than I thought it was going to be, um, but in a good way because I couldn't get enough of it. But I want to say, I mean, I wasn't timing myself, but I mean, you're thinking like at least at least eight hours, if not ten. Okay, which yeah, is that's pretty, a long interactive. Yeah, it's game. chunky, dude. For a, for a Telltale game, that's real chunky. Yeah. All right. So yeah, there was much more in there than I thought. But yeah, thumbs up all the way. Fucking loved it. Check it out. Check it out. All right, your turn. Oh, um, just a couple notes that's uh, of shows that are happening very soon. Obviously, uh, I'm sure everybody's already knowing about this, but Summer Game Fest is this week at the time of this recording. Wow, is it already so soon? It's already so soon. It's wow. Thursday. Wow. Yeah, uh, we're recording on Sunday, so it's this <clears> week. Um, and obviously, that uh, has a slew of games that go along with it. It's not just Summer Game Fest it's, and that show. But there's Day of the Devs, which I always like to watch. Yep, yep, yep. Um, there's a Wholesome Direct. I don't know if that's always been happening. That's been the last couple of years, yeah. Okay. And then the show, Xbox Showcase is June 11th, which means that's before our next podcast, right? Yeah. And also the, the Access Ability Show put on by Laura Kate oh. Dale, which I actually did the ASL for. So yeah, if you are in. ASL, I'm in that show. You're in the show. You're part of this uh, gaming summer of showcases. I guess I accidentally was. <laughs> you are. Um, and the PC gaming show, which always goes on way too long, uh, but I find a, a couple of gems in there and that's happening. So that's all like in the next, you know, four or five days, six oh, days. Oh man. I don't know if I can, I can hang dude, because we just got done with, um, some steam stuff. And I felt like there was the, the PlayStation show recently. And like every time I know I complain about this all the time, but like as the editor, whenever any of these shows goes on, my inbox just blows up, dude. And with all these announcements, Oh, dude, I don't know if there's enough time in the day for me to get through all those emails, man. Oh. Just send some my way. I keep telling you. I mean, I, I never get tired of it. I know I don't get the amount that you have, but um, yeah, we have different jobs, so That's I'm true. not an That's editor of the site. Uh, but I will say this, the Xbox Showcase, um, you know, obviously people think uh, a bunch of good stuff is going to happen. They're obviously, you know, going up with uh, ideas of what will be shown, but Xbox themselves uh, did tweet out I don't know if you saw it, but no, I didn't see it. What is it? Basically, it was like music, and I think the music was from Fable, and it was um, glitter all over the office, like IRL in the office at Xbox, mm. and then it's all all over, and it's just like leading up to a com- controller, and then it's on to the monitor, and then it says Xbox Showcase. So everyone's you know 
thinking obviously they're going to show Fable finally. Ugh, um, who cares, dude? Who cares about Fable? I don't care about. Do you care about Fable? Well, I do in a sense. One, I'm just I, I'm interested in them showing anything <laughs> right now, like any sort of um, you know first party game or whatever. But um, I liked one of them where it really your actions did change the world. Because I always like that stuff. Remember Molyneux and all the the kind of big oh like, yeah dreams big they had bullshit about if you plant a tree here it'll grow in the game yes, for twenty yeah, years yeah. and it'll give you shade. Like fuck off, dude. It, it never fully worked. No, but it never did. Sometimes a couple things in Fable. I forgot which one. Fable one or two did make me feel like I had a little bit more control over the RPG experience. So I, I enjoyed it. It's a fun romp. But I'm just interested to see how Playground Games does it. Because remember Forza, they work on Forza, right? Uh, uh, yeah, Horizon, so. whatever. I think so. Yeah, that world is amazing, right? And now here's why I'm giving the positive uh, side of this. I I think that just they kill it when it comes to Horizon. It's just it looks amazing, and it just is a really believable world. So them doing an RPG, that's just really exciting to me. So take away the license. All right, here's my positive spin. Take sure, away the sure. license of Fable and all your specifically Brad's you know, uh, ideas of what it used to be in Molyneux's big dreams. And just like Playground Games, they build awesome worlds, and mm-hmm. I like RPGs. I mean, I get you. So I get See? that perspective. I completely understand what you're saying, and in that light, I'll be willing to uh, to take a look at what they have. But I'm going to take a hard stance, and not about Playground Games, because I know that they Yeah, because games. there's the first time they're trying it. So Yeah, yeah, exactly. So that's, that's separate. But I'm talking about all the... F- like hard hard stance, big statement here. I'm gonna just just say it. All the Fable games have been crap. Like they've been varying degrees of crap, but they have never been good. They have always had Molyneux talking shit, and they've always like talked a big game, but none of them have ever really delivered to even half of what Molyneux has promised ever. And I've played, I think, all of them, and they're just they're just not great. Like there's like a million games that are better than Fable, so I'm not excited. I. This is not a license I would have really pursued very heavily. I guess some people have fond memories of it from back in the day or something, and maybe they're going to do something good with it. You know, this playground people. Good luck. Yeah. But man, I can. There's few licenses which I would be less excited for. Let's see. Let's see. We'll see. Um, anyways, that's obviously all going to go down, and we'll find out what Xbox is going to finally show. Um, wait, is a Starfield part of that same thing? Right. It's like their I don't own. Know. I have no idea. I think they have their own direct. It wasn't on the list uh, for Summer Games Fest, but whatever. Um, I just wanted to point out, this is a game I saw in the store, and I wonder if you have a code for it. I'm not sure, but <laughs> to, hell with, uh, to Hell with the Ugly? No, dude, no. Everybody's been asking me about that game. but uh, I just the, keep seeing the visual of it. It's yeah. in, the st- in the store. I don't know if it's an Xbox and PlayStation, but it looks amazing. I think it's on everything, but it's actually funded, partially funded by the French government. Okay, and they have been really tough to get a hold of. I've been trying to uh, CJ at Game Critics. It really has been hot to review this, and I they have not put out any traditional PR, at least not in in my channels. And so trying to reach out to these people has been really difficult. Um, I have not gotten much play, and then they referred me to this one person, and they didn't get back to me. And I'm just like, whatever, dude. I mean, like, I just. Ugh, I hate it when I have to like work so hard to track down a game, but it does look amazing though. It does it look does. great. Yeah, yeah. Well, here's how I do it. <laughs> In my world, is I don't uh, if I don't get a code, I just buy it. Just buy you it, know, you know. And it's on sale again. This has to be said again. I don't want to put two consoles against each other, but every time I go to PlayStation, because I go to both stores, um, there's so many just random sales. 
like for nothing for like a brand new game like to hell with the ugly is a brand new game right yeah yeah uh, oh i think it's because i'm a playstation member right whatever the yeah you get those extra discounts minimal whatnot, right? yeah even like the the base version like essentials or something you get the discount so it's like 25 dollars, but on playstation it's 1999 or whatever yeah yeah you get so, the subscriber discount which is cool. yeah which is I'm, cool. i might pick it up because it just looks really cool and it's like a narrative adventure but there's also um some gameplay i don't know it, it, just the style of it looks really cool it looks really cool i wish i wish they were easier to get a hold of um because it does seem like something that we will want to cover so we'll see we'll see well i'll let you know because i'll probably get it and then secondly the other game which we don't really you know preview games but these were just top of mind for me killer frequency oh yeah killer frequency i just saw a trailer for that what a cool idea uh you're in a you're a dj in a like dj booth uh or like radio station yeah and it's like a mystery and you're trying to solve things but you're also like playing records um i don't even know much about it but i just like the concept and it looked really cool yeah yeah i think we just got some uh, email about that recently so i looked at it and it not my thing probably because it takes a lot to sell me on a first person game but uh, it is kind of a cool idea i might check it out right. uh and lastly that thing i mentioned at the top um Usually you keep these sometimes at the end, like things we're watching, but this is about video games. Uh, there's a YouTuber called Never Knows Best. <laughs> every week, I mean, this shouldn't surprise me, but like every week you bring a YouTuber I've like literally never heard of, which That's is fine. not a surprise because I, I don't know any YouTubers. But... And also there's too much content out there. So unless yeah, one of sure. us says it and on my podcast, a lot of things or this one, then no one's going to find it because it's hard to find stuff. Um, literally made a video. That is six hours long. Oh, my God. And I know you already kind of, I just can tell Brad-ism is like already annoyed by that. But just hear me out. It's the entire history of video games. And I love that shit. I eat that shit up forever. And I know most of the history because, you know, both of us. We lived it. Lived it and uh, researched it, too. But I just love it when they do it with visuals and stuff. And as an editor, I know how long that takes. It's fucking insane what he did. Um, but it's very well done and you just watch it in chunks. Uh, and I think it's great for anybody who like doesn't know and are younger, you know, listeners because it starts with, you know, space war and before that and table tennis and pong and stuff like that. So what uh, kind of uh, give me, give me an idea of like what to expect. So like if I go upstairs and sit on the couch with my kid and we're like, we're going to watch the history of this, uh, of video games. Like what? Like is it just visuals? Is there like a little commentary in each, or like is he just picking the biggest games, or like how? What's the structure of it? No, he's going straight through to like when. Like I mean, I haven't got past like the Atari era, but basically it's you know narrative voiceover, him explaining it, and then just visuals, which is like commercials and gameplay and everything. Like it's a documentary, like but on YouTube. Um, but surely he can't be covering every game. He I mean, is. That's, like, that's thousands and thousands and thousands, dude. He's covering all the, the main points, like not every single game. Okay, so not every game, but like... No, the history of video games. So like how it started, then, you know, the console era, then the different consoles, and okay. then okay. all the way up until now, though. Like literally he looked, he said the end of the video is Activision Blizzard acquisition. Oh, that so was like, like last week. Yeah. yeah. So like uh, it's 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 fucking great. So it's called Never Knows Best. Check it out. And by the way, it would be great for you and your kid to just watch because um, even the couple little things like we again lived through a lot of it. But I didn't remember that table tennis, which was released for the Magnavox Odyssey. Oh wow! Which I think I picked up at a garage sale when I was a kid. Mm-hmm. Um, that came out before Pong. So literally, Pong stole table tennis. 
from Odyssey, who came up with it first, and then they settled. Did they really? <laughs> yeah, which means they admitted that they took it from them. Huh. Um, so the reason why Pong was such a huge success is because they stole it. They literally, well, again, still's the wrong word sometimes, but they copied it, you know, almost identically. Uh, and so, I mean, yeah. to be fair, not much to copy. It's like it's like two paddles and a ball. So. I know. <laughs> I think I think the original had like four paddles or something. Okay. But yeah, just interesting to see those little notes. You know, anything that I didn't even know. Um, so check it out. Check it out. Right, check maybe it I out. will check it out. Maybe I will check it out. Um, quick quick side note on YouTube. Not to get super political here because we do sometimes get political. Uh, we're not going to do that today. But I will notice that as people have been complaining about for a long time, YouTube the algorithm is really slanted towards fascism right now um, because my kid who I, I monitor all of his um, stuff like really closely, like me and my wife uh, know the games he's playing. We know the people he's talking to. We know the channels he's watching. Like we are involved parents, right? We're not the kind of family where like the kid disappears for six hours and he comes back from some internet rabbit hole and, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So he was watching. He likes memes because him and his friends and kids today. That's all they talk about is the memes. And he watched some like uh, some funny meme video on YouTube. And within two clicks, we started getting Nazi shit in the recommendations. Uh, I was very, very unhappy about this. And I really wish that our society would just knock it the fuck off because it was a totally innocent search. Nobody, nobody in my family is anything close to a Nazi. We're about as liberal as you can possibly fucking get and it really pisses me off that that youtube is throwing this shit my kids way especially a kid uh because he's young and if we weren't watching who knows how much of that shit he would watch without even realizing what he was watching you know what i mean yeah i think so i know youtube very intimately um two things one unfortunately meme culture which i'm actually a part of because i create memes for my job um so meme is it shouldn't be a dirty word by the way um, it's just that it gets co-opted by the stuff oh, you're yeah. talking about. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I guess. But it's it's it means like a short, fun, you know, weird moment and kind of like memifying life. But um, what happens with YouTube is, you know, with a lot of meme stuff, it can it can quickly go into the dark stuff. Oh yeah. Um, because you have the four chance of the world, you have all that stuff. Yep. And that's what the algorithm kind of like defers to sometimes. Which is bull fucking shit. Right. But I can tell you how to fix it because that would never happen ever, ever, almost ever. I could say like 98% sure. It wouldn't happen on my YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. It's it's similar to TikTok, how you can um, work on your For You page. Mm -hmm. It's by liking and subscribing and um, watching the content you like. By doing that, it doesn't recommend stuff outside of that. Now, this is for better or for worse, which is now we are full on in a tangent because that's a double-edged sword because then you're never seeing stuff you didn't know about, right? Right, right, right. But I would just say that his page probably isn't attuned to him enough. Right. So because it isn't, it's going to default stuff. If I went to, if I log out of my YouTube page and go sure. to YouTube, sure, I'm fucking scared. <laughs> well, you know what I mean? I, I, yeah, no, that makes perfect sense and that's good advice, dude. And I feel like I'm just kind of generally angry that... If you don't express a preference and if you don't like and subscribe, the thing that they serve to you is right wing fascist bullshit. Like right. That, that but but it's also just angry. extremism. Right. Because yeah, like if, yeah. if I if I log out of a TikTok, I'm also scared. Right. 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 That's the world that we live in. And it's, it's almost less algorithm. And it's actually more about like society. And so that's why it is a, a longer tangent. Um, 
there's just chaos out there. I and mean, so, it totally, it totally is. And just, and just as a quick thing, like, I think that's one thing that I really struggle with, um, is that I feel like in general, the vast majority of people are good people. They are people who don't want to oppress anybody. They're people who just want to live their life and just chill and just, you know, have enough food to eat and watch a movie on the weekend and just, you know, have their family around. I think, I think that is the vast majority of people in the world and America. And it sucks that whatever's going on in the media has been so co-opted by fascists and the right wing that we we constantly are subjected to this stuff and we feel like there is more of them than there actually is there there there's not that many of them but they're so loud and so prevalent we get we get showered with it every fucking day which is just like mind melting dude well okay we're here so i'll save my two cents <laughs> go ahead man we already we're already knee deep i know not just the so to not make it just about right wing and fascism fascism whoa can i say the word I hate the word so much I can't say it, (laughs) Um, is that in general, you know, and this is kind of lizard brain talk and like, you know, stuff about humans, humans are attracted to, you know, misery and chaos. It sucks. Yes, I agree that most people just want to like live their life and have a good meal and, you know, have friends and family or whatever. Uh, And that's definitely default. But then our other part of our brain, like, you know, looks at chaos, like it's drawn to it. And so when you say media, it's not even the media, it's just like content in general, whether it be content IRL or content online, they they always play to our base needs sure. of like seeing chaos. And so that's what happens is like the For You page, the Google algorithm, all that stuff, it, it goes like, hey, we know how we can get the most eyeballs, you know, go to the most distressing, terrible things. Um, I mean, I agree, but that's the fucked up part is, right? Like, not only do we watch that stuff, but people, like, want to provide it because it all comes back to the engagement and everything. I mean, right. We need to just, like, be better creatures and just break that fucking cycle. We need to just right. be like, this might get us the most views, but we're not going to do that because it's fucking awful. We, as a society, need yes. to evolve, which yes. I've always wanted to do, and I do on a daily basis. Hopefully, you know, a bunch of you listening at home do as well. But it's about getting the companies to evolve. Because yes. companies rule the world. It has nothing to do with government, unfortunately. Government's part of it, but it's companies, and, and capitalism is run amok. So basically, you have these massive corporations calling the shots on everything, right? Yeah. Like, yeah. why did Fox wrong. News get exist, even exist is because of Fox, the company. Um, so anyways, it's about companies. They have to evolve. They don't want to because they can do the least common denominator. They can do the least amount of work and get the most amount of money. Um, so that's yeah. it. But then change. it really it's does come down to, change, to our man. base of our human, though. We have to evolve as humans because if we don't, we're going to keep going to those base bullshit things like greed, you know. And when you have greed in you, uh, you don't care about all the other stuff. That's true. That's so, very true. We need, anyway. to, we need to move on. We need to get better because, boy, we're living in a fucking toilet right now, and I really don't like well, it. Well, we're living in parts of toilets there's a parts that are not toilets. There's there's we small, say that. small bits of clear water in a very clogged toilet. Well, you're okay. Hold on. Back to your point. Your homestead is not a toilet. No, mine is a little bit, little tiny, tiny ass patch of clear water. Right, it's clear water, right? But yes. if your neighbors are clear water too, they and are. you're and maybe let's say fifteen other neighbors are clear water, that's a lot of not toilet. 
I mean, it is, but but overall, okay. nationally, there is a lot of not toilet, but there's still too much clogged toilet going on. We need to, we need to flush. Let's stop the toilet talk. All right. Anyways, oh, toilet talk is a good podcast name. Toilet talk is an okay one. That's a good one. We'll uh, it down. Let's move on and get out of housekeeping. Um, but before we do, Nintendo Live, that's the show I was trying to think of. That's happening in Seattle. Oh yeah, that's something. It's like uh, like you show up to it, right? Like it's an in person thing. It's an in person thing, but yeah, I forgot that I was trying to think of a, a one of the shows that are coming to Seattle recently, and that's it. So it's yeah. in September, but I don't know. Kind of cool. All right, there you go. Is that the end of your housekeeping? That's it. I'm closing it up. All Do right, you have I just something? got one last thing, but just my one last thing. Again, I want to circle back to a game that I was talking about earlier. Uh, just the continuing adventures of Sekiro: Shadows Die Twice. I was, uh, I'm still playing this game. I, I'm definitely going to beat it. I will. Well, I'll at least get to the last boss. I don't know if I can beat the last boss. I will do my best. But jumping back in, I talked about it last week. So just a quick recap. But I'm still playing it, and it's interesting. Some of the observations um, that I'm having now. Um, so I played it when it dropped. Just quick, quick background. Played it when it dropped. Uh, I thought it was really, really difficult, had a hard time, struggled with it because I'm not great at parrying, and that is parrying the game. Uh, like, like, like literally right now, I think I have three different parries that are active at any time on my character, and they're Gross. all for different things, right? So it's not even just parrying what parry and when and, you know, what flavor. So, but that, but then I got to the last boss and I quit. For a number of reasons. Number one, it's way too fucking hard. And number two, I think I played it on PS4. Pretty sure I did. And the load times were just driving me batshit crazy. Because, like, you would get one-shotted by the boss. And then it was, like, load, walk, load, cutscene, load. And then it was just it was just making me mental, right? I couldn't do it. So, um, it's been, like, two, three years. Probably three years since I played it. And it just bugged me. So, I'm coming back. And I want to finish this game. I want to just... I want to just put it to bed and be done with it, right? I want to, I want to prove to myself that I can do it. Mm-hmm. So now that I'm coming back, it's interesting because in the interim, um, there have been a million parry games that we have played because Sekiro inspired them all. Fuck you. And also I finished Wolong. And so Wolong is, I really, really feel like the spiritual successor to Sekiro in so many ways. And I believe it even has the same director, I think, uh, or at least some of the, the team, directorial team on it. It's funny because coming back to Sekiro, when I played it the first time, I felt like it was so fast. I couldn't keep up with how quickly you had to parry the enemies and how quickly everything was moving. Mm-hmm. But I think Wolong is actually faster than Sekiro. And so now that I've beat Wolong and come back to Sekiro, I'm like, oh, this is moving so slow. Yeah, I feel like it is moving. I mean, there's still there's still fast parts to it. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's easy because Sekiro is so hard as shit. But my perception of how fast things are moving and how quickly things are... Uh, you know, like when you're in the battle, how quickly you need to parry things and stuff. I'm like, oh, okay, wait a minute. I can actually, like, I don't know. I have, my sense of time has changed, I guess, or something. I am perceiving time differently now. And I feel like my character, Wolf, I feel like he moves so slow. Um, not in a good way, like like way too slow because in Wo Long, it's like lightning fast. Like you attack, it just goes like your guy just goes nuts. And like you attack, 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 and it's just like lightning fast. But it's a, it's a, it's an easier game. It's less brutal. So you have more chance to get used to it. And I think that's really one of its strengths. Um, but coming back to Sekiro, I'm like, damn, Wolf, move your move your ass, man. Get the lead out, dude. You're like, slow. You're so fucking slow. Like, I want to I parry and then I go to attack and like he's like doing the wind up animation. And I'm like, what? Stab him, dude. Like, it's 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 strange how different it feels now um, in comparison after especially after Wolong, which is really strange. Um, but I will say uh, progress is coming much faster this time than it did the first time. Uh, partly because I remember what's happening, but also just I think 
maybe somewhere down deep in my brain, some of that muscle memory was still there. It didn't really take me that long to get reacclimated to it, which is good. Uh, most of the bosses um, I beat in the first try, which is great. There's a couple that I didn't. Um, a couple tough ones. Uh, Giobu, the horse riding guy, took me one or two tries. I just beat uh, Genichiro last night, who's a fucking asshole, and fuck that guy forever. Um, three three stage boss fight, and he cheats. Yeah. But it took me like maybe like ten times, which is not bad. It sounds crazy, but considering it took me like fifty times the first time, uh, much better. But it's funny too, also because now that I'm playing it, and I felt this before, but I really noticing really hard the bullshit get good moments that FromSoft has put in there, where I'm like, this is just bad design, you guys. This is you guys being a dick where there will be like a really, really tough boss who spins around a lot, but you're in an extremely narrow hallway where the camera like flips out and like you lose track of the guy on the camera. That's a bullshit moment, right? Or like I'm upstairs in this one little hallway in the castle and there's like five guys in a room where it could have easily been three guys, right? It still would have been a challenge, but you wouldn't have died half as much. It's like, it's little moments like that where I'm like, oh, you guys are just being shitheads right now. Like this is not good design. It's like, it's really like fuck you design, which I really don't appreciate. But it's interesting because if it in, if indeed the directors are the same between Sekiro and Wolong, um, I think they definitely learned some lessons. Uh, despite the fact that Wolong's hardest boss is the first boss, which is like one of the biggest mistakes so of dumb. all time. So dumb. Yeah, once you get past that, like you really can see what Sekiro could have been if they just chilled the fuck out. So it's been an interesting comparison so far, and I'm still I'm still playing it. I'm still going to make my progress through it. I'll do a report next time i've got something significant to say but it is pretty interesting coming back to it after all this time and after well long yeah yeah I, uh, all that gave me anxiety i don't want to <laughs> touch either of them uh ever but yeah i don't blame I, you it, but that muscle memory discussion we've had before which is so true um weirdly enough and we'll just this is foreshadowing but it even happened with a game that i'm playing just like a few hours after i played it I don't know if that's ever happened to you. What do you mean? How so? Tell me like, more. Uh, well, just the example is Diablo, which I'll talk about in a minute. Like, I, I love that game and whatever. And I and this is very specific to the review that I'm, I'm going to give. But there is a build that I have, and there's a way to play that build. From a like, previous Diablo game? Uh, no, no, no. In this game. Oh, in this one. Okay. Like I'm, I have a character, and I do a certain kind of thing, and that's how I attack, mm-hmm. which I'll get into. But the point is, if I just, like don't do that even for a while and go back to it. I'm like, wait, what? I was supposed to hit this button. Oh yeah. 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 So like you just leave the game for a little while and like, you can totally forget that muscle memory. It's interesting which ones stick with you and which ones don't. Cause I, I totally have had that sensation as well, where maybe it was some game that I love that I come back to it and I feel like I've got two, two left thumbs and I don't know what I'm doing or like Sekiro where I'm, fucking hated it but i come back to it and i'm like oh yes i remember exactly what i'm doing oh so. it's the exact opposite yeah. yeah yeah so quick before we move out of housekeeping carlos i did want to circle back to you real quick you sent me a link earlier about game difficulty and i meant to remind you about it did you want to talk about that still because i think that might be kind of relevant oh yeah um well we're talking about yeah difficult games there was talking points it was was it a tweet i forgot <laughs> what it was um uh, maybe a youtube video i think that's what it was let me look it up. Yeah, I think it was a YouTube video about difficulty, and it was about System Shock, how recently um, the updated version, which I don't think you've played or I have played. No, yet, no, I have not. Um, basically does what the original version did, which is allows you to customize your difficulty um, in, in interesting ways, not just like make it harder, make it easier, but literally like sliders on puzzles and different you know aspects of the game. So I think that was really cool. And I guess, I, you know, 
when we talk about difficulty, that is, they mentioned this in the video, which is for GameSpot. Um, it's called More Games Should Do This, if you want to look it up yourself. But yeah, they're talking about how System Shock lets you customize the difficulty, and that's the topic, which is just in general, like, when we start new games for this podcast, it, there's easy, there's normal, there's hard, and there's usually, like, super hard. And it's just tricky to know which one to go with. And then also, it, you know, it, like this video says, sometimes hard just means, like, it's going to ramp everything up. And, you know, maybe you really don't want to do the puzzles, but you do do want to do the combat. Maybe there's versions of the combat you like and other parts you don't, you know? I, I don't know. Like, I, do we want that level of customization and difficulty? Well, I think this kind of came about when I was... Um, I forget what I was talking about, but I was talking about... I tweeted something, and that spurred you to send me the video. It was... Whatever it was, I said something like, when you put a game on easy... Uh, that easy mode should be fucking so goddamn easy. It should be like baby steps, cakewalk, zero challenge, right? And I don't say that because I'm like some, I'm some guy that's like, can't play games and I need to get good. I say that because, <clears throat> excuse me, there are so many things to get out of a game that is not challenge. Now, I'm not saying it's it's wrong to want challenge from a game. Like if you want to test your reflexes, test your puzzle solving ability, like that's cool, like go for it. I, I don't want to get in the way of that. But there's there's lots of other things to get from a game. There's simply like enjoying the environment. It's a really cool environment. Enjoying the characters, enjoying the music, enjoying, you know, like so many different things. The lore. You want to just read about the lore. There's lots of people who are lore hounds. I mean, or there's so the many. The story itself. Yeah, just the story itself. Just, thank you. That's the biggest thing. Yeah. And I left it out. Just the story itself. Just going along with the adventure. So I think that when someone is like, yeah, I want to play your game and I just want it to be really easy. Like, just make it fucking easy, dude, because maybe they're saying, I like your game enough. I like your character design enough. I like your story. It's so interesting to me that I want to play this, but I don't need to be challenged by ultimately what is a very, very, very arbitrary set of expectations placed by the developers. The developers have their skills and their background and they think, well, I think that you go to this room, you should be able to kill 20 guys to move on with the story. That's what I feel like is appropriate. And that's just your decision but if you want to truly be accessible and open and if you want to have people partake of your vision, you've got to accommodate people who may not be up to your standard. And so if you put it on easy, have there be three guys in that room instead of 20, right? Like, who cares? It doesn't matter. I wish more developers would just really just go, really go super easy. And I'm not saying take away hard. Like, if you want to have 15 levels of difficulty all the way up to Satan is stepping on your balls, like, just... go for it. Like, please do. But give other people options because we're not all here for the challenge. We're not all here to to spend six hours on a boss to get through just so we can see the next cutscene because I love the character, you know? I, like, I, I wish people would just give a wider array of choices and not be so judgmental and so arbitrary about it. I agree, and that's why we originally were talking about it, and also that video kind of uh, talks about that a little yeah, bit. Yeah, yeah, it did. But hey, I watched it, yeah. at the same time it really depends on the type of game because if it's a game that has a, a pretty good and compelling story, yeah, I do want to know the end of it. And again, this is foreshadowing for my asthma chronicles uh, for me specifically, because their easy mode, I believe is called narrative. Um, and it's not motherfucker because <laughs> there's a problem. I'm on the, I'm on that easy mode right now. Yeah. It's narrative. Okay. If you're going to really be narrative to your point, then make it almost like no combat. Right, because that's yeah. what narrative means. Yeah. It means you want to know the story, and I—it's almost like we should just talk about that game. But I love that story. 
I really like the characters and I like the world building. Well, let's let's do it now. Let's let's quickly close housekeeping. Let's let's pivot. Yeah, pivot into, into Miasma Chronicles. That'll make sense. We can talk about it now. Let's do it now. So we were going to talk about it later. We're talking about it now. Thanks, housekeeping. Bye. And we're talking Bye. about Miasma Chronicles. So okay, so give us the quick recap and then and tell us how this connects to what we're just talking about, Carlos. Yeah. So Miasma Chronicles is a you know XCOM type game made by the people who made Mutant Year Zero. Um, it's got excellent world building, dystopian, post apocalyptic future it talks about like a dead america because it tried all the wrong things and it's this weird world where miasma which is kind of weird material has taken over it's also kind of alive and uh and there's um kind of an elite family called the first family and they're you know the elite one percent uh and then there's all the regular workers who are just like trying to get by kind of like real life and very much like real life you are you play as elvis and you have a special glove that can you know uh, basically destroy the miasma or control it and you're not the elvis by the way you're just a kid named you're elvis. a kid named yeah. elvis you have a robot buddy and you meet a woman named jade who's on a crusade to kind of take out the first family that's your story then you also have to go search for your mother um and she's on the other side of this miasma wall that's the setup. The XCOM gameplay is the gameplay. And we both like really enjoyed it, right? Like to start, I think. Yeah, yeah. I'm still enjoying that. it. I'm not I haven't finished it. I'm maybe like ten or eleven levels into it, maybe. Did you meet Mama? Not yet. I'm not that far. I am past that. Okay. And now I'm mad at it. <laughs> okay. So so fill us in, dude. Because what we were just talking about is, you know, you have that world, you have all that very interesting wasteland. Uh, kind of setup, right? Look, it feels like the game Wasteland Three specifically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The graphics look like that. It looks beautiful. Uh, I'm playing on the PS5 and uh, on 30 frames or whatever, but it's still just gorgeous because it's a strategy game. And I meet, you know, I, I no, no spoilers, but I finally do this huge mission and do a lot, and I feel like I'm going to really move the story along now. Back to the narrative. I have it on narrative. And the fights are still, you know, uh, challenging, but I feel like I can do it. And I always have a, at least a few uh, health, you know, potions or whatever left over. And I'm like, okay, I did it. Cool. So then, um, well, I can say this. Mama sends me on my first mission. Just another mission, right? Mm-hmm. You know, just like any other game. So but Mama's not the end of the game. Mama's not the end of the game. And so I go, okay, cool. I'm really excited about this story that I just learned about Mama. And this, uh, you know, other section. And so the, she sends me on my first mission, can't beat it. And why can't I beat it is because of this. Back to kind of to your point. It, it, this is on narrative, by the way. It's not even the fact that there's like, let's say, 10 monsters, which sh- there shouldn't be in the right. first mission after right. you have just meet, met this person. You know, you want to kind of keep the narrative going. But no, they stop the narrative. They make you go to do, do this thing that's 10 monsters long on narrative and the monsters create new monsters oh yeah so even though i'm beating it and doing okay rng happens right which is like monster sucks me out and puts me away from my defenses yeah because they can actually bring you away from your you know area Mm -hmm. drops me somewhere i'm dead injured can't get healed and then the four more monsters make four more monsters and i go how is this narrative in any way yeah. 
So I don't want to finish that game. And I was like the most up on this game. You were really high on this game when we talked about it like last week or two weeks ago, whatever. Yeah. There, there's no world where I don't want to play this. But right now, I don't want to go back to that at all. Like, it's just scary because of the simple thing of don't make the monsters recreate the monsters. Or actually, the most importantly is after huge parts of the game, huge narrative has been delivered to you and you are really excited about exploring a world, let me explore the world. Don't put me in a challenge. Yeah. And you can't do anything. You have to go to that thing. You can't go anywhere else. See, so this is interesting, right? Because um, I played Mutant Year Zero, which is the game right before this game. I don't know if they're in the same universe. It seems like they very easily could be in the same universe. They probably are, like this post-apocalyptic weird world. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, you know, kind of the same thing. I love the characters, loved the story, uh, had a great time playing it. And I stopped pretty close to the end because it just got so hard. And I believe I was on the easiest difficulty. And again, I am not a strategy newcomer. I mean, I've played all the XCOMs. I've played all of the, the turn-based tactics, all your Final Fantasies, uh, Final Fantasy tactics and what have you. So it's not like I'm new to the genre, but like I, I definitely felt like they were kind of off on their difficulty. Like there was maybe a very specific way that they had learned to teach themselves how to play the game about the developers. I mean, and it just wasn't that easy for the rest of us. I uh, So I'm playing Miasma Chronicles now, uh, not nearly as far as you are. I haven't met mom yet. And so I'm still doing these these missions and I I have I like it like I like it a lot. Right. But I'm also seeing some issues, too. Uh, I am on the easiest difficulty level, and I, I really don't think it's that easy. Um, it isn't even that. No, it isn't. No, I don't think it's that easy. I do think that enemies that call more enemies is a bad design, and you should be real judicious with those. Like, it shouldn't be it shouldn't be every battle. It shouldn't even be the majority battles. It should be, like, a special battle. Yes. So I haven't got to the one that you're talking about, but the part that I've been so far, I've met two different types of monsters which also summon more monsters. And that's a real bad class of enemy because in tactics, you got to take advantage of the the battleground, look at what's going on, make your plan. And yeah, there's, there's surprises, right? Sometimes you get ambushed or sometimes like reinforcements show up, but like the bulk of this game is like knowing what you're up against and, and making the most of what you've got. And most of the time you're outnumbered. And that's where the challenge comes from is like you enter a battlefield, you've got a, a team of three, there's 10 guys there, you're outnumbered. So you got to be careful. That's usually where the the difficulty comes in. It's not usually from surprise attacks from ads that come in later on, right? So I think that this game leans on those two heavily. Um, not a big fan of that. Well, to that point there, real quick, yeah. I don't think that should be in any strategy game because what you just said is exactly it. The puzzle is figuring out what you what's in front of you and then how you can conquer it. And then back to that empowerment feeling, feeling good that you did it. Yeah. And a, a monster summoning another monster... And then, by the way, not just doing it once, but doing potentially four or five times. Yeah, in the match. multiple times. That's yeah. an action RPG game. That's a different game. I'm sorry. Like, that's a different game. Like, if I'm playing Diablo, that's a perfect example, and there's mobs, I get it. They summon other mobs. Got it. I have like 18, you know, weapons and all these abilities, and I, I got it. Don't worry about it. Bring all the monsters. This not this game. You know yeah, I mean? yeah, it's different, you know, and I, I do feel like your characters are pretty underpowered um, for where you're at. Like, I feel like it takes too long to level up. Like uh, in the beginning, you get like you, f- you finish one battle, you get a level and then it's like you don't level up for like four more battles because like the, the experience comes really slow. I feel like your powers are not that strong. Like I, I don't feel very powerful. I don't feel 
as though I've got something that's really going to kick somebody's ass. Like the robot guy you have on your team is pretty good. He's got some good some good abilities, but the rest of the team don't really feel that strong. And so I never feel like, oh, I'm going to kick ass now. I just feel like I'm barely making it from battle to battle, which is, I guess, okay. But they really encourage you to use stealth to kind of even the odds. I mean, that's a big hook, not only to this game, Miasma Chronicles, but also to Mutant Year Zero. That was like its big hook where... As you observed last week, Carlos, you start you start each map walking around in real time, and then you can see the enemies on the map, and you can hide, you can sneak around, and then when you feel like you're in a good position, you can go into combat mode and pick some of them off. And if you're careful and nobody notices that you've picked these enemies off, you can, you know, theoretically get half the guys on the map dead before you even start the battle because you've, you've sniped them or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. But I feel like this doesn't really quite work. I feel like they... They give you this idea and then they immediately take away. Like they 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 don't want you to have too much of an advantage. Number one, um, there's lots of times when you kill one guy and he's being guarded by by two or three other guys, right? So like, not on every map can you snipe very many people. Um, I I look for this every single time. I go into stealth mode with Jade, who is the sniper. Yep. And I walk around the whole map and like, yeah, you might be able to get one or two dudes, but there's still like plenty of guys that are covering each other and you just can't get it done. Unless I'm completely missing something, which I don't think I am. Well, the thing you're missing, which I don't want to do, because, again, it's laborious, mm-hmm. which is you throw a fucking bottle, and then they come over to the bottle, and then you can snipe them. But like, So, so I, 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 I tried that. Um, I know you told me about it, and then I saw it in the game. Um, number one, bottles are a limited resource. I don't know if you can buy more, but I've only got like three or four of them. I don't have very many of them. And I tried this, and what ended up happening was you have to go into like a certain menu to throw it. You throw it, and then... It just alerted everybody in the area. Like it just it put me straight into combat. So if I'm using it wrong, you then that game needs to teach me better how to do it because I'm using it how I would use it in another game and it's not working. Well, it's, it's got to be so far away, basically. That's yeah. what it is. And they do one thing that I don't know if you notice, but they put a red line. Yes, they do. Attaching yes, to a person, so if that that's the person that's going to hear. And by the way, the whole squad won't be alerted. Sometimes. It's sometimes you can just alert two of them. Right, right, right. right. And that's still doable because if you take them both out in, in time. But to your point, it's fucking dumb because they introduced a mechanic. And then, like you said, they take it away because immediately it's now 15 men, you know, yeah, or monsters. Yeah. And five of them are grouped up. And there's one open, you know what I mean, by himself. No, yeah, exactly. The map. And in fact, I'm in the middle of a map right now. And there's like... I want, dude. I'm not even joking. I feel like there's maybe like 15 guys on the map. Maybe? Oh, there's 20. There's 20 in the map. I was just in. Yeah. Okay, so it's yeah, there's fucked. a lot, right? And like you said, like they're coming in groups of five. I picked off like one dude, and I don't see anybody else who isn't being covered by someone else. And so I'm like, well, what? I, what else am I supposed to do? I can't lure these guys out because when I throw in the bottle, the whole squad hears it, and yeah. I, can, you know, I can't shoot anybody. So I guess I got to just jump in. So it sucks that they give you this 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 idea, but then they're like, no, 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 it's too powerful. We can't let him do that. Well, then why did you give it to me in the first place, right? If you really yeah. wanted me to do this, you would have the people be further out, easier to pick off. Like you would really be encouraging me to do it, but I don't, I get frustrated because it doesn't work that well. And another thing that is another idea that is great, but then they immediately take it away is your your team powers, right? So like with Jade, if you're walking around, she's a sniper. If you snipe somebody and kill them, um, you don't have to reload, which is great because reloading takes a turn. But when you, you use like um, Elvis, he's got, oh, I don't know if you had this or not. I, I have a, a glove where you can shock people with it. Did you get yep. the shock glove? Yep, I have. Yep. So the shock glove is great, but you use it to sneak up on a guy and knock him out when no one's looking. And then it takes literally like five in-game turns to recharge. But if you're not in combat, the turns don't count. 
So it doesn't even make sense that you would be having these abilities to pick people off secretly, but you can't use it again until you're in combat. Like, why? Because because it's too powerful, because it makes the game too easy. I mean, that's really the only answer. Same thing with um, the robot guy. He's got this charge, which is really good. And if you do somebody and get them knocked down, you can't do it for like three more turns, but turns don't count unless you're in active combat. So it's like, why do you, yeah, why do you even make these abilities? And then you immediately go back on them and say that I can't use them because you don't want me to game the system that you created? Like, it's so weird. And to that point, even in combat, Elvis's main weapon, which by the way, the whole story talks about, it's the greatest thing ever, right? Yet it feels so underpowered. Because, yeah, like you said, you do one thing, and one of them is, like, pick up a person and throw them into, like, explosive barrels or whatever. Yeah. It was so defeating when I did that once, and the person didn't even die. It's really weak, dude. And it's then, really weak. And yeah. then it said, wait six turns. Uh-huh. And I was like, mm-hmm. do I even have a weapon? You know, because that's shit. I basically, yeah. I don't even use it. I just shoot, by the way. Um, all those powers you just talked about, I use none of them. Mm-hmm. I use none of them. The only power I use... We're in the weeds right now, but I, I use Sniper, Jade Sniper, and uh, by the way, it's still fucking bullshit when she's in battle. She has to always reload. Yeah. Always. It takes a whole turn to reload. It's so dumb. Um, give me two bullets, okay? Fuck that shit. Uh, and then I use her. I use Elvis's gun, like just general not gun. As, not his magic abilities. Nope. Yeah. And then I use uh, the robot to tackle people. Yeah, the tackle Because when really you tackle, good. you stun them, and then that person can't do shit. Uh, because you want to have monsters and enemies not do anything. Yeah. Uh, that's it. That's how I play the game. Like, there, nothing else works, really, to what they wanted it to. Uh, the electricity yeah. shocking thing that can hit three or more people, it's cool. But, again, it doesn't usually kill people. So it's no. like it just alerted three dudes and hurt them all slightly. And then they just, like fucking pounce on me well the interesting thing about that i think i agree with you 100 like i think all of your abilities are pretty underpowered and you never really feel like i feel like the sniper rifle is the best thing in the game because if you can catch people unaware then it's a good hit mm-hmm. but otherwise you always feel like you're struggling but i think that this game very much like meet near zero really lives and dies based on the stat manipulation and by that i mean there are these little um alterations you can do to your weapons like little add-ons like a scope or a new clip or an on on the main guy's magic uh you can insert like little techno chips into his, his magic glove and that changes things so like when they do the electricity chain that you just talked about it hits three people in a row that is a bullshit hit all it does like you said is alert people it doesn't really kill anybody but if you put the like i have an acid mod on it so it does like 30 damage per turn over time like that is really where it seems like the real damage is coming from but if you didn't find that chip if you don't have chips if you're not spending a lot of time really like rejiggering all of your guns to like really like get the most out of them it's just way too difficult and i'm not saying that as a defense because i think it's really easy to not find these chips i think it's really easy to skip them or just overlook them or you didn't happen to do that one side quest or whatever um, I, I still feel like at a baseline, you should be more effective than you are. You shouldn't have to find this one chip that's out of the way and equip it in just such a way and use it every five turns. Like I, I think these guys are smart people. I like what they're doing, but I just feel like they have their difficulty curve screwed up in their heads. It's yeah. it's too much. To that point, like we talked about, I think, offline, um, you, you go into a little map and there's a side mission right next to you. And your main mission's like for levels four to six, but the side mission's for like levels 11 to 15. And you're like, oh, I can't even do that side mission. Then why is it here? 
It's like yeah. there was one that was you put something down by a tree, and I was like, oh, it's like a tree mission or something, like a, a nature thing. It seems real chill, yeah. Yeah, and then you just get surrounded by enemies who will destroy you, like decimate you, and you have no chance. Um, and then the other thing that's dumb, now that we're listing things, <laughs> and we got to move on, but yeah. is that when you said the acid thing, yeah, it's friendly fire. Oh, is like, it really? Yeah, so like I don't know which version you're using, but like I have a lot of weapons who like drop down acid to kill enemies over time. Oh, no. Okay. But as long as you walk through it, you get hurt too. And I'm I did like, I not realize that. <laughs> cool. Another thing that I'm hurt by. I don't know, man. Well, well one, one, one final note before we move on. I want to say that I think the core of this game is good. Um, I think it's too gray. I think there needs to be more color in this game. This game is like 19 different shades of gray, which is really hard on the eyes. Oh, weirdly enough, I love that, but continue. Oh, yeah, it's it's way too gray for me. But I think these guys are doing good work. I thought Mutant Year Zero was a great game. I think I think Miasma Chronicles, honestly, is a great game. I think if they just tweaked it and just eased back on the difficulty, adjusted just a little bit of that thing, I think this would be a pretty pretty excellent experience. I just I And getting back to our discussion about difficulty a second ago, when I put it on easy, brother, I want this to be really easy for my own reasons, right? So just don't don't use your arbitrary like judgment on me. Just make it easy for me. Yeah. Um, and if I want challenge, then I'll select challenge. So because it doesn't I, add anything for a monster yeah. to create another monster. I'm sorry. Yeah, it doesn't add anything just, to your game. Yeah, I think they kind of missed on this one a little bit. I'm, I'm still playing it. I'm still enjoying it. But uh, ca- carefully, my shields are up, you know? I'll so. come back to it. I mean, you, you, you like you always say, if they do updates and stuff. Yeah. I don't know if they'll ever hear this because I just love your game. Like, that's it. Like, hand full stop. I love it. But I will not play it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. By the way, that's a good podcast name. I love your game, but I will but I not play, play it. it. Yeah, exactly. All right, that was Miasma Chronicles from the Bearded Ladies. Um, let's move on to the next game real quick here, Carlos. Homebody. Uh, I don't know much about this one. I know this is made by some kind of, I don't know, YouTubers or some personalities or something. I don't know who they are, but you knew who they were. And apparently they're pivoting into game making, which I guess is an interesting thing. Seeing a lot more personalities these days get into making games. So I guess it really will be curious to see how these do, whether these people actually know enough about a game to make a game. Because I think it's kind of a different skill set. But tell us about Homebody, some kind of horror game, apparently. Yeah, I'm very interested in the visual style. I haven't played enough of it, so I'm not, you know, fully reviewing it right now. But um, it's Game Grumps, so most people listening probably have heard of them. Uh, Game Grumps is a pretty big YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, it's that thing where there's a ton of people who make content uh, that aren't video games and are starting to get into video games, so that's their first foray into that. That's the main reason I want to try it because, you know, people who like games, if they get to make them uh, for the first time, it's interesting to see. And so what is this game? It's a... PS1 era style graphics horror game. Okay. Um, survival horror game. You know, not tank controls, but you know, it's very simple. Like move to one scene, move to another scene. So that style. Is it like set camera? Like uh, the camera's yes. fixed? Yeah, fixed okay. camera is what I meant to say. Um, and you play as a woman who is going to meet a bunch of friends, of course, in a scary house in the woods. Because where else do you meet your friends? Yes, that's where I meet all my friends every day. Um, and she's kind of like they do say in the beginning of the game that if you have like uh, depression and OCD and all psychological you know issues that this game might be triggering. Um, I think you can say that with a lot of horror games or yeah. just horror movies. But there are it immediately starts with the fact that she doesn't want to go to the party, 
and she's feeling anxious and she has to pull over and stuff. So I kind of like was drawn into that because I, you know, I definitely have some anxiety issues. Shit, that's me like before that. every fucking party, dude. Right. Um, and so I was like, okay, well, maybe I'm going to vibe with this game because it's like about the emotional part of it. But the problem is, and why I'm kind of paused on it, is because as soon as you get to the house, um, it's really, really old school in the fact that it's like, go to talk to everybody. And, you know, and there's like huge dialogue trees and I don't really care too much. I'm like, just get to the meat of what's going to happen in this game. Um, so it takes a while to get going um, and in the trailer and in on the page, Steam page and all that stuff like that. It's about a killer and, you know, potentially dying and, um, you know, puzzles and what a, what a horror game would be. Um, but before that all starts, there's just a lot of like, you know, clicking on things and talking to people. And it just felt very cumbersome. And then I started seeing all the puzzles start to show up. And what kind like, of puzzles are we talking about? Uh, we're talking about complicated puzzles um, that are, are better and interesting because they're going to make you be, you know, strategic and creative thinking. And I was like, I don't want to think at all. I don't. I want to just go into a horror house, run away from a monster, and, and enjoy this interesting, weird, you know, story of a like a, a woman who's like struggling with anxiety and stuff. But it's not that. It just feels like so far. And I could be wrong, um, you know, an homage to the style of game, which we say on the show many times, you don't necessarily need to homage it all the way back to its original form. Right, right. Because there's reasons why we don't play some of those, you know, or like there's limiting factors on when they were making them. Um, it just feels like it's jumping into those areas of like, you know, puzzles that are going to take me a while. Now, again, to their defense, I didn't go into the menu and see if I could turn them off in a way or make them easier. Um, I, I'm actually going to do that right after this call uh, and see if I can. But I'm, I'm afraid by the puzzles, the talking and the moment to moment for the beginning of the game has been way too long. And I just want to get into it. Right, right, um, right. And it's almost like I wish these kind of like narrative games would let me know how to start it. Like I want the killing to happen. I want like this the mystery to happen. But right now it's like I'm just going around talking and like looking at everything. Uh, okay, so real so slow start. Real it's slow start. super slow start. And, and uh, again, the very very early start, I was interested in the character and what was going to happen, and she was anxious. But the minute I got to the house, it felt like an old school game, right? Like Man- Maniac Mansion or something, but not as interesting in that way like oh fuck maniac mansion i thought we were like more of the resident evil vibe is it even even before resident evil even older than that well no it looks like yeah it kind of has crossed between i guess resident evil and maniac mansion in that way mm. oh wow okay okay um and i just said that because like you go to area go to area you know look at things talk to people kind of a little bit of a point and click flavor so yeah it just feels too much like that now but the, as i'm watching the gifts on the page She's running from a monster. She's running from a killer or something. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be like death and running. I just want to get to that part of it. So this is kind of a preview. I don't know what this game is going to be, and we'll find out, and I will keep playing it. Okay. But the, the, it's, it, these types of games, you got to get into it. You got to get right into it. Um, I just get tired of like asking questions of like six friends at the party. You know what I mean? Yeah, I agree, dude. I think the beginning of a game is really important because you need to kind of let the player know what they're in for 
And like once you get a sense of it, then then you know whether you want to hang or not. Um, but if you're just like waiting and waiting and waiting and waiting for the thing to start, then like you're like an hour deep and still haven't gotten to the main gameplay or something. I mean, I feel like that's just a really really laggy kind of poor start and and you don't know if you want to invest that time in it or maybe you invest an hour then you're like oh well this isn't what i thought it was going to be or you know like you got to just it's 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 a difficult thing i mean it's like an art to get your game off right but it is crucial it's really worth uh really worth spending the time on as we can clearly see from your testimonial right here right and this is yeah definitely for you know i wouldn't even mind if they they heard this because this is that perfect feedback which by the way you should get in qa or you know when you're testing it but if you're doing 80s slasher film, uh, maybe there's kind of a weird uh, twist that sounds like on dying, which is cool. Like maybe, you know, you die more than once. I'm getting a feel in the description like it's a Groundhog Day thing or something. And then they say it's like kind of emotional with the fact that she's got anxiety and stuff. All that's really cool to me. But I didn't feel any of it in the, like you said, the first hour. Uh, I felt in the first five minutes I felt something. And then it felt like a boring, in my opinion, point and click game that wasn't fun at all. Mm. And then it, it might pick up, like it might pick up in right now, like as soon as I start the game back up. But yeah, it really is important to just kind of jump in. Are there like jokes and stuff? I don't know anything about Game Grumps. I mean, I've heard of them, but I don't know anything about them. Are they funny people? Or are they not funny? It's fun. Like I like their content, and they can be fun. Yeah, it can be really funny too. But this is not like a jokey. You're not no, like laughing. not at all. This okay. is just like they're just trying to do this game. So far, again, just as much as I played, and like all the narrative, all the dialogue stuff, I don't care about. Like I don't care about anything I'm hearing. You know, none of it sounds interesting. So that's a problem. Yeah. Um, the only thing that I liked is that there was a video game on the TV, and they let you play it. You know, like it went right into like old school NES game or something. Gotcha, gotcha. So that was kind of cool. I was like, oh, neat. So maybe more that showing up, it's just a slow start. And and then I looked at the gifts and I saw all these puzzles and I was like, oof. If it's slow and those puzzles, but we're going to stop it now because I can't say enough because I need to get to the killing. All right, we'll get back to, get to the killing. Get yes. to the killing and then let, report back. I mean, maybe... Maybe it really takes off, and then you're really hooked on it once you once you start running from people and stuff like that. So yes. we'll circle back. We'll circle back to Homebody, and we'll figure out what it is like once he gets to the once once we get to the bloodshed. We'll figure that out. So. Once once I finish this uh, podcast, I'm going to get on there, see if I can turn off puzzles, <laughs> if they let me, and then I'm going to um, just try to mainline it to the killing. Turn off the puzzles. Turn off the dialogue. And <laughs> yeah, just, just get me to the killing. Just get to the killing. Just get to the running. All right, we'll circle back on Homebody. Let me talk for a minute about a DLC that just came out for a game that literally no one except for like me has played, which is a shame. Uh, the main game, which I talked about, oh, I don't know, a while ago on the show, is called Gerda, G-E-R-D-A, Gerda, A Flame in Winter. Uh, this was a game kind of like a documentary, but also a fictional game. I think it's a fictional game with, with real historical elements woven through it. Um, which is meant to give you a sense of what it was like back then. And this is set during World War II in the uh, German occupation of a town. And I want to say it's Norway. I could be wrong on that. But it's one of those towns over there. Um, and I apologize for not getting my facts straight. But it doesn't matter. I mean, the bottom line is it's a town that is being occupied by the Nazis. And what is life like in that town? And the main character of the of the main game is Gerda. She's a woman. Uh, housewife and she's kind of like figuring out how do I survive with these these enemy factions in my town what do I do who do I help do I do I 
do I put up with them and just kind of hope to make it through? Do I work against them? I mean, it was a really fucking fascinating game. Um, I think it's a great game. Really well done. Um, it is an RPG light. So there are RPG elements, but it's all very quick and easy. You're not ever like, there's no grinding. I mean, there's no combat. It's really just like a narrative choice kind of a thing where um, the choices really matter. Like if you help somebody find uh, toothpaste on the black market one day, like they might help you escape from the Nazis like two days later. Or if you decide to rat somebody out, they're not going to help you when you need some bullets like a couple days down the line. Like, you know, there's this whole thing about how do you relate to the townsfolk and then how do they relate to you and how does that relate to the Nazis in general? Um, really, really well done. I feel like it's extremely relevant given today's uh, political climate. And I feel like it's just so rare that we get a game of this type where you're looking at these human interactions in a real life terrible situation and i think it's just it's excellent um it's also by don't nod i believe which yeah, are the people who do yeah. yeah they do like life is strange i think is their big jam they might do a couple other things i think as well um but it's really really good and i don't know anybody except for me that's played it and i played it on the switch i think it's great i think it's also on pc i'm not sure if it's on the other consoles or not but anyway play that gerda a flame in winter amazing uh, but they just came out with a dlc and it's a story-based dlc which i was so surprised i i hope that means the game has been doing well I imagine it's probably doing much better in Europe than it is here in America because I don't hear anybody talking about it. But the DLC is called Leva's Story, L-I-V-A, Leva's Story. So this is actually a prequel to the main game. You play a, uh, a freedom-fighting lady who is in a small cell of uh, resistance fighters. Uh, this is not a spoiler. It's like the first minute of the game. The first minute of the game, you guys get ambushed, and you think you're in a safe spot, but you're not. The Nazis find you. Um, you... you have to take off, you're not ready, you don't have your supplies, like you're in a bad a bad way, and you struggle to meet up with the rest of the resistance in a nearby town. And so at that point, um, you take over as the leader of the Freedom Cell, and you're trying to plan out, like, how are you going to live in this town? Are you going to lay low? Are you going to help the townsfolk rebel? Are you going to do sabotage? Are you not? Like, what are you, what are you doing in this town? And how do you conduct yourselves when the occupying force of the Nazis is in town. It's fantastic. It's fantastic. Really well done. The writing is great. I love the system uh, where people, you kind of like bank points where if you successfully navigate challenges, like you say the right thing at the right time, or you correctly read a person's personality, you know, if there's a brave person, you, you support the bravery. If there's a scared person, you build them up a little bit. If there's a person who's cautious, then you respect the caution. Like, you know, whatever. Lots of these little, little dialogue challenges and you bank these points and you can use these points to overcome more difficult challenges. Like if you need to give a speech and rally the troops, you can only pull that off if you've got like 10 courage points and you mm. will have built those up over the course of the adventure by showing little bits of courage to a number of different people along the way so that when you're on the stage giving that speech, you've got enough people in the audience who are like, yeah, I believe this lady. She can get it done because like, we've seen what she can do. Mm. It's fucking great, dude. I fucking think I love it. Like, I love the way that they've approached this, uh, the systems. I love that they've approached the content this way. Um, I, I think this game is just fantastic. I wish more people would play it. I mean, if you're listening to this podcast, if you're not a first-time listener, I guarantee you're probably going to like this game. If you can listen to us week after week, this is probably going to be your jam. And I really would like to support more games like this where they're taking something that we think we know, the RPG, and really putting it on its head, changing things up, and also bringing in something that's relevant. I think Nazism, fascism, occupation, combat violence is something that we're all dealing with right now and i feel like that this game handles it in a really mature and effective way i think this game is is fantastic man it's great stuff check it out i'm looking at the steam page and it's giving me um this war of mine vibes 
Similar in tone, different mechanics, but similar different tone. mechanics. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then also like paper, papers, please, in a way, you know. It's oh like, yeah, for sure, for sure. It's got a mixture of those, but its own thing. And yeah, check it out. Anna's DLC. It's out now on everything. On or? everything, I think. And you can buy a package that has the main game plus the DLC as well, so you can get it all in one fell swoop. Super worth it. Again, if you listen to this podcast, if you listen to me, if you listen to Carlos, I'm like I guarantee you probably would find something of value in this game. This is a really quality piece of software that I feel like more people should pay attention to. All right. Check Good it stuff. Gerda, a winter in flame and the DLC is Leva's story. Get the get the double pack. Get them both. Good, good stuff. Okay, Carlos, over to you uh, for something I did not expect you to be talking about. Puzzle Quest. We don't really talk about that very much. I know I talk about Marvel Puzzle Quest once in a while, but the mainline fantasy-based Puzzle Quest, which kicked it all off a million years ago, uh, has just had Puzzle Quest 3 ported to PS5. Is that right? Yeah, and I'm looking at the Steam page, and it says it just came out for steam so maybe it is just a new game maybe um, i haven't kept up with the mainline series i gotta be honest with you i'm gonna look up puzzle quest 3 phone and i wonder if it came out on phones before anything else because that makes sense um, you talk about it i'll look it up okay i think it just came out because i've played all of them well the two games uh, but i've played games like that which is take rpg mechanic light and make it with a puzzle game like your Marvel Quest. Wait, is it called Marvel Quest? Marvel Puzzle Quest. Marvel Puzzle Quest. So just think Marvel Puzzle Quest. But it came out last year. Puzzle Quest 3 came out last year. Uh, I think it was on phones first, and so now it's making its way to console. Okay, so it, it just came out on Steam and console. Gotcha. Uh, at the same time. So it makes sense that, yeah, I had not heard about it because I don't. both of us don't really play a lot of phone games. Um, but I do like these types of games. So there's a. it's a double-edged sword. One, it just popped up on my PlayStation. I was like, of course. Uh, it's free, right? Am I right? Yeah, what? it's I, free. I, didn't pay it. I don't think I paid for it. I had uh, no idea it was free. Okay. Hold on. That's why I got it because I was like, um, let me triple check. Free to play puzzle game. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. So the double edged sword is whenever you get a free game, you know, they're going to try to monetize the shit out of you. Um, and they, they have monetization here. There's so many of those, you know, bullshit currency systems going on the minute i like won my first match and i'll tell you how the, about the gameplay but like they were like you get five chrome things and 12 pieces of silver and amethyst and i was like i don't Ugh. i don't want to know any about that Ugh. okay because you know that's all towards like yep. upgrading and all that shit but uh again early game which is like i played two hours of this fucking thing um it's super addictive super puzzle questy relaxing uh if you're not familiar with the style of game it's super light rpg and like two little characters talking go fight monsters are we still on match three as the main core of gameplay or four or five match whatever you can okay gotcha gem matching all right and i don't know if this was in the first two games if you even played them if this is like marvels but what you do in this one is you know you're a hero and you can slightly pick what it is right like your class um, you mean class race a little bit of gender you know, they kind of, it's not like you don't get one for one on each class, meaning like you can't, I don't think you can be a woman in, in one of them or something. Let's like, Oh, like not every, not every gender is every class. You mean? Yeah. 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 Gotcha, like gotcha. Certain classes are just certain types of characters. Sure. And in certain genders. So you just kind of like go with whatever one you want. But I found like a, a little dwarf warrior that I picked. Um, so limited customization. I would have liked a lot more there 
because you're going to be with this character, you know, in this game forever. Yeah. Yeah. It's a free game, free as a service game. So they could have done better with that. But anyways, you you pick your character. You basically just jump right into fighting monsters. So it's you and a monster or enemy on screen. And you are, you know, left and right. And in the middle, it's the puzzle. And you're basically trying to match up uh, different colors to do uh, add value to your attacks. So you have like special attacks. Like I think you start with three, you can end up having like five or six. And so you have three different attacks. And if you get enough purple ones, you'll fill up, like say you need a hundred purple points or whatever. Before so you can key off the purple Before you attack. can use it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, maybe, yeah. And then until then, you try to find the skulls on the board and that's your basic physical attack. So if you could do three skulls or four or five or whatever, then you attack the enemy. If you don't, then you got to like basically get all the you know different uh, attacks you have filled up with the different colors. Gotcha. But the enemy always gets to attack, by the way. So it's kind sure. of bullshit. Uh, <laughs> I'm like, you didn't fill anything up, you fucker. <laughs> so it, and yeah, and it's pretty easy. Like it's not like there's no barrier to entry. It's like you'll win a bunch in the beginning. And I haven't yet got super challenged by it. Like I'm like, oh, I'm a little down. You have armor, you have like willpower, and you have your health. Um, they added a couple new systems, and I don't remember in two if there was like as much focus on those like special abilities as there is in this one because you can like learn new ones and stuff like that. Yeah, it's yeah, just, they had that. Yeah, did they? Yeah, it's just super relaxing and addictive and fun. And I'm playing on my TV, so it's kind of fun to just like stop Diablo or any other like intense game I'm playing. At, which is ironic because it's a little like Diablo and the fact that you're just kind of always upgrading. But it's just so relaxing. And I'm sure on a Switch, uh, it would be like perfect in bed material. Uh, and I have nothing bad to say about it. I guess the only bad thing I'll say is you're always upgrading things with your crystals and your amethysts yeah, and your yeah. whatever. And I can see the the path to monetization. It's like I could right now buy a bunch of shit and I, it, it, it feels a little pay to winny. So there are so there are micro like actual microtransactions in the game. It's not all in game. Oh currency. yeah, it's a free to play game. It's okay, like gotcha. All right. There since moment one. Sure, I forgot you said it's free to play. My bad. Yeah, but I'm playing. I paid two hours or more, and I've Devin, I'm never going to spend money on this thing. Like you don't, I don't see a wall. Uh, if it is, maybe it's like ten hours in or something. But man, it's it's a great free to play game. Like I, the, the only double edged sword that I led with is that. There's ugots of monetization. Ugots. Right, 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 right. Um, but I don't, it hasn't been a barrier for me yet. Interesting. We'll have to, let me know how it goes. Because, you know, uh, the original Puzzle Quest uh, Challenge of the Warlords was really the one that kicked off all of these uh, puzzle slash RPG games. I loved the original Puzzle Quest. I did play two. And then also there was one that was called Puzzle Quest Galactrix, which was like a mess. That was not good at all. But um, I think those are fine. I, I, I'm a little bit hesitant to get into any game that has microtransactions these days. So I will be curious to see if you do hit a paywall eventually. And I mean, just to be perfectly honest, I'm already playing. I'm still playing Marvel Puzzle Quest a little bit. So I, I've i been in that game for like, I want to say eight, almost nine years, I think, um, which Jeez. is a pretty crazy amount of time. That but I've really, I've really slowed down on it like a lot. And the reason being, it takes a long time to finish a match. So I've kind of pivoted over to Marvel Snap, which you can play really quickly uh, because I don't have much time. So I don't know that I want to get back into Puzzle Quest because I remember playing Puzzle Quest 2 and having like 
all the different powers and the upgrades. You get a mount and you get new things and new weapons and upgrade this thing. And it's like, it's, I remember it being a great game if you wanted to sink a bunch of time into it because it would really like be there for you if you do that. I don't think I'm in the same space, but it seems like it's still kind of a winning formula. I'm just a little bit leery of those, uh, those microtransactions. Yeah, I mean, you can only be weary of them if they start impacting gameplay. You know yeah, what I mean? Yeah. And so for me, yeah, now that I'm looking at the timeline, I did play all of them, and Galactrix was fucking terrible. It was so um, disappointing. <laughs> sorry, uh, whoever it was. Infinitive, Infinite Interactive. It was, it was a different developer, by the way. That's why. But uh, you guys, yeah, I didn't like what you made. Um, but Puzzle Ghost 1 and 2, I loved to death. Um, and I guess the, it's the same developer as Marvel's I'm looking at right now. Is it? Who's the, who's the developer? Oh, no, it isn't. Wait, yeah. No, it's different. It's different. Yeah, developer for Marvel's is Demerge Studios. Um, the one for Puzzle Quest is called Infinity Plus 2. Okay, um, different. Yeah, different developer. Yeah. But anyways, it's just great so far. Like, I don't know. It's hard for them to go wrong with this kind of thing. For it's me, a pretty it's just, solid formula. It really is. It is. Yeah. And as you know, you played that game for eight or nine years. It's just a relaxation thing for me. Yeah. Like yeah. it seems to just take my head. It focuses on this one puzzle. And when it's an RPG mixed with that, I love it. You know, like there's light storytelling happening, you know, in Puzzle Ghost 3. Like I'm going to a new area and there's some comedy and uh, I made a new, you know, new character and stuff like that. So I don't know. I'm upgrading things when I can, but I'm not focused on it. Yeah. And it's well, just fun. Sounds like a good little thing to settle in with and kind of just kick back with. So right it on, is. right on, excellent. All right, cool. Um, let's talk about a game I did not think I was going to be playing, but ended up playing because Capcom sent me a code. So thank you very much to Capcom. Street Fighter Six. What was not expecting it. I had no plans whatsoever to buy this game, um, but I got a free code, and I'm playing it now. And I got to say, uh, it's actually pretty fucking good. I'm really surprised. Um, so, backstory, you know, I played, I'm sure you did as well, Street Fighter 2 when it came out. Um, I even remember fighting Street before Street Fighter 2 came out, if anybody remembers that one. I played it in my Turbo Graphics, motherfucker. Yeah. I played it in the arcade, and boy, that game sucked ass. You the control see- sticks in the arcade were terrible. Oh, my God. It was really bad. You could see where they were going with it, and once you knew what Street Fighter 2 looked like, you could draw the lines between Fighting Street and Street Fighter 2. But boy, Fighting Street sucked, and they've come a long way since then. We're not going to dwell on that. But but we- I do want to put an asterisk that it was pretty darn good on the Turbo Controller. I so. never played it on Turbo Controller. Yeah, because so. it came out for the CD-ROM. That's was my, one of my favorite games, yeah. All right. So Street Fighter VI. Um, I've played basically every Street Fighter that's ever come out. Um, liked some of them more than others. Now, I'm not a pro. Like, I'm, I've never been, like, in the arcade, you know, the tournament circuit. I've never won a, ch- a championship. Just casual, just casual Street Fighter fan. That's where I'm coming from, right? Like, I'll, I'll plink around with it. If I got a buddy over, maybe I'll play a little bit with my son or something. So, I'm not, so just know that. I'm not a pro. I do not own a fighting stick, if that tells you where I'm, <laughs> where I'm coming from, right? So, I liked all the old ones, as most people did. I think the last one I really, really enjoyed was probably Street Fighter 3 or maybe Street Fighter 3 Alpha, one of those ones. Um, Street Fighter 4 came out. It kind of lost me a little bit. Street Fighter 5, I I did not play very much at all. It just didn't, didn't connect with me. Um, but Street Fighter 6, I feel like is kind of a... I don't know if it's a return to form, but I think it's more of a pivot for the series. I feel like they have taken some feedback from the last two games, and I think they've changed things up. And while on the surface it may seem like just the next Street Fighter, no big deal, um, it does feel, to me, again, not a pro, it feels significantly different in how it plays in a number of ways. Um, Before I say anything else, 
I want to say that this game is actually uh, pretty large. Um, I'm sure that there's going to be more DLC content coming. I'm sure there's going to be more characters and modes and whatnot. But right off the bat, there's already a lot to get into. Um, there's a roster of, I think, uh, I want to say maybe it's like 16 people, something like that. Um, so there's plenty to sink your teeth into if you want to start learning some characters. And since I'm not like knee deep in Street Fighter, a lot of them were, were pretty new to me. Like, you know, oh, yeah, I know Ken and Ryu. Sure, everybody does. Um, but like some of the newer faces um, I needed to kind of learn. So just learning these characters effectively is going to take some time. And there's some interesting styles here. Uh, there's Manon, who's like a French fighter. She's like a dance fighter. So like she does ballet while she fights. Hmm. Um, pretty interesting the way that that plays out. A lot of really cool animations. Um, Kimberly is my new favorite. She is like a graffiti artist, but she's also a student of Guy from Final Fight, another one of Capcom's um, franchises. And and Guy was also in Street Fighter before, so she's kind of like a quick ninja. Um, I love her animations. They're so cool and fun. Like, she's so bursting with energy. Um, I think she's just, like, really, really cool. Um, but a lot of the other characters are interesting. There's a really big grappling lady who's, like, this giant hulking lady, bigger than Zangief even. Um, there's a Kung Fu guy who's got the drunken style. So there's a good mix of, of people. And I will say they've gotten away from the hyper, hyper cartoony exaggerated style that they were kind of on for the last two games. I feel like it's still, you know, you're still exaggerated and stuff, but it's not, it's not over the top. Like it doesn't, it doesn't feel like I am watching a caricature of a fighting game. It feels like just, just kind of like slightly exaggerated style, but it all feels um, just more sensible. Like I, I, I'm not looking at something that looks weird. You know what I mean? Like, like off-putting. I like that because I I was kind of off-putted by that. Um, yeah, super over the top and super like thick lines. Are those yeah, black lines still the there? The giant like, feet and stuff was kind of yeah. weird. And yeah, so they've changed the art style, which I think is great. And they've also have changed a number of really significant things. So I'm, I can't, again, not a pro, can't speak to how much of a difference it is between five and six. But for me, I don't remember these systems. The I don't even know what they're called. They're called like, one is like a an attack and one is a parry. I know we can't get away from parrying these days, but Ugh. it's actually fine. It's a separate meter where it's like a rush forward that launches into a combo, but you can trigger it off real quickly. And it, it, it it's like this other, it's like the whole new move that you have where you, if you see an opening, you can go for it. Um, you can also parry and it'll stop. I think, I think up to two hits of a combo. So if you time it right, it just like completely negates those um, so if something's coming in and you pair it right away, like it's just like a stop and you can turn it back around. But it's much easier to pull off than it was in um, past iterations. And it runs off a meter, too. So if you abuse it, um, you're going to leave yourself extra vulnerable. Uh, so it's like another layer of strategy, your regular fighting, your moves, your basic fighting. But then you also have to manage this other like meter. And I forget what it's called, but that's good. I felt like it was good. Like it was not too complicated and it made a lot of sense. I, I figured out how to use them right off the bat. Not to say that I'm like expert at it or anything, but I but I understood what they were for, right? Like I, I immediately grokked what I was doing. And even though I needed practice, I'm like, okay, I understand the system though. And I think it makes sense and I like it. Um, so that was great. I love that new system of this extra layer of the meter. And I, gosh, for life, I can't remember what it's called. But anyway, that's good. But also there's um, something really, really, really significant here. And I think this is the first time Capcom has ever done it. They have added a modern control system. So in the past... Street Fighter is a six-button game. You've got your movement stick, and then you've got uh, light, medium, and heavy punch, and low, medium, and heavy kick. Uh, that's why you usually need to have a fight stick, because you need to have a controller that has the six buttons easily accessible and a good stick so you can do like all of the, the complicated like Shoryuken and fireball maneuvers and stuff like that. Um, Capcom has finally realized 
modern controllers aren't shaped like that. Uh, they haven't been shaped like that since, what, the Saturn, I think, maybe? You can get a six-button controller for the Saturn. Yeah. Um, it's been a while. It's been a minute, right? And so they have really approached this in a way... I don't know how the, I don't know how the fan base is reacting to this, right? I feel like the pros are going to turn their nose up at it and scoff at it. But as someone who is just kind of like a casual player, this is fucking amazing because they have reworked the whole control system so that you only need four buttons. And it doesn't sound like that big a deal, but it's a huge deal because almost all of your super attacks are mapped to one button and it depends on which direction you push. So instead of doing forward, down, down, forward punch for like a, uh, for like a dragon punch, you just hit Y and forward. Like, yeah, that's and that's, great. that's, that's great. It's, yeah, it's huge. It's huge because if you're not great at doing those maneuvers, um, and some of them I'm better at doing than others. Like, for example, I can never reliably pull off Zangief's 360, um, like power slam oh, maneuver. Yeah. yeah, I can never get it right. I can never get it right. You just push a button and do it. So like it enables the player to not only have easier access to these special moves without having to like train on a fight stick for a year, but also you just have a light, medium and heavy, not a punch or a kick light medium and heavy and special that's it that's huge they're they're completely revamping it from the ground up i, I don't i don't know if you can like grok like how big this is but that's actually a major oh no yeah it's enormous right and it's i want to say change. this yeah. i want to say this you know i've always had like a frustration with fighting games especially recently like i like you i played them in the arcade and stuff when i was younger but yeah that idea that like uh what's it called i don't want to say gating system or like gate uh people out of playing gatekeeping gatekeeping maybe but like if you didn't know, like you said, how to do the Zangief's thing or Sonic Boom, and you kind of fucked it up every time, like I did, um, then you know you didn't even get to like participate, really, right? Yeah, you just yeah. would eat shit and never win. Lose your but, tw- use your fifty cents or whatever, and you'd be done in five seconds, yeah. right? Or in this case, you lose online and, ne- and kick from the lobby, right? Oh yeah, yeah. But what I'm saying is, this I think levels the playing field, which could again anger some you know people, but other people are like, oh, at least. I get to play because guess what? Even if I know how to do all these moves, um, I still can eat shit. Oh, yeah. Because yeah. it's still about timing and it's still about which moves you do when. So I think it levels the playing field and that's a good thing. Yeah, dude, you're exactly right. You're exactly right. Because coming to this, I was going to start with classic control because that's what I've always been used to. But I'm like, you know what? No, I'm going to actually use the modern control. I'm going to make a, a conscious effort to choose the new control system. I want to learn the new way because honestly, I don't have a fighting stick. I'm not going to be in a tournament. I'm not going to spend 20 hours mastering um, the frame counting and the timers and stuff. Mm. Like I'm just, I'm just not going to do that. But I still want to have a good time with this game. And I got to say, even though it is a little bit mind bending because I was so raised on the old style, um, learning the new style I think is really great. Now you're exactly right. This is not easy mode because anybody can still kick your ass just like any other Street Fighter match. You still have to learn how to do the moves. You have to learn the timing. And there's also like, you know, the counter and parry system, like I said, but then there's also one of the buttons is called, I'm going to call it like it's, it's an assist button. And what it does is it flips between the different moves. So like if you hit the medium button, it's a punch, but you hold down the assist button and hit it again, it's a kick. So like you still have access to these other moves if you want them, you don't need them, but you want them. They're there um, on a limited basis. You don't have as many moves as the straight up classic control style does, but you've got like, I don't know, three quarters of the moves or something. And to be honest, I mean, most people are probably going to do the whole thing anyway. Like, does it really matter that you don't have the ducking short kick when you have the standing short kick? I mean, whatever. I mean, if you're a pro, you're not going to play with this control system anyway, so who cares? But for people like me and you who just want to have some fun, I think it does provide a very much needed shortcut into accessibility for playing these characters. There's also a bunch of 
stuff you can toggle in the menu. Like there was even too much for me to even get into. Like there was like pages and pages of like toggle this, toggle that, change this, change that. I mean, I'm I got to go into it with a fine tooth comb later on. But like I was like, oh shit, there's like, I, I it's like I fell into like a ten foot pool of like options. Like there was way too many options. So I'll check that out later. Um, but I think the modern control system is pretty awesome. And again, if you're a pro, you're mad at it, you don't care, you think you're noobs or whatever, who cares? But for people like me who want to use it and people like you, I think it's great. So yeah. kudos, big kudos, because that shows Capcom is really taking steps to change how they're approaching the fighting genre in general. This opens it up to so many people. And in fact, I put a message out on Twitter to ask people what they thought of it. And almost universally, people were liking it. But the people who were responding were people like me who were either more casual or who had never played Street Fighter before. And they're like, yeah, I love the modern because I can I can play it. I don't need to like get a dictionary of moves and sit down and do frame counting and get a YouTube tutorial. I can just play the fucking game, which yeah. I think is huge. It's which really to your huge. point, you still have to be good at. You know what I mean? You still oh, yeah. have to. Um, but my, you haven't even said the only thing I care about when when it comes to Street Fighter Six. Well, I'm about to get to it, and you're going to be really okay, disappointed. Good. You're going to be oh, very I'm disappointed. Be disappointed. Well, then I'm out. I'm out. You're going to be no. Don't be out. Everything yet. you just said. Don't even be out. Modern control. I'm out. Don't be out. You're going to be all I cared about for our listeners. I know what you're going to say. You know what I'm going to say. I know what you're going to say. So is there that, is. Is that there's another mode. There is. There's world tour mode, which is a create a character and go into a campaign. I've heard it's like 30 hours long. Like it's oh a real goodness. beefy campaign. The reason you're going to be disappointed is not in this campaign, but you're going to be disappointed because I've been having so much fun in arcade mode. I haven't even touched world oh. tour mode yet. I haven't even got to it yet. Well then, it, I'm not as disappointed. Yeah, as don't. I thought yeah, it would be. don't. You're just disappointed in me, not in the game. So, so that's what fair. that's supposed to be is what I keep hearing is that you can like challenge people as you go around an open world kind of yes, thing. That's what I hear. That's what I hear. And then fight them, and that seems more interesting to me because again, progression. Yeah, there and... is progression. You can unlock um, new costumes and art and all this kind of stuff. Learn new moves. You know, like I, I, like I said, I'm already having so much fun and there's so much for me to do in just the arcade mode, which is just one of the modes that's open from the beginning that I haven't even really scratched. I've been playing, you know, learning Manon's moves and learning Kimberly's moves and learning, um, you know, Ken's new moves. And just like that's been taking up all of my time. I literally haven't even touched the World Tour mode, which is a huge mode, which has tons of stuff from what everybody that I've been talking to is saying it's great. So hopefully I'll report back on it next time. Okay. But I got as far as the creative character and I was like, oh God, I got, I, this is going to take me two hours to create a character. Not because it's bad, but because I want to take my time and, you know, change the nose and change the body shape and change the height and all this stuff. So I haven't even got past the character creator yet and haven't gotten into the mode, but I will report back on it later. Okay. Yeah, that's the part that I'm most interested in. Didn't get this episode. I know. I'm sorry, man. I'm it's sorry. A, it's a preview for next time. Yeah. But I will say so far, um, going into it with basically zero expectations after not really liking Street Fighter 4 or 5, uh, it feels significantly different. It hits significantly different. Um, it really does feel like Capcom has taken steps to change and improve and revamp. And even just from my first playthrough up until now, it definitely feels like a much more um, a fresh, exciting f- fighting experience than I've had uh, compared to past iterations. So, so far, it's a it's a big thumbs up, dude. I really like it a lot. All right. Wow. Yeah, look at this. Puzzle stuff. Quest 3 coming out. Street Fighter 6 coming out. Surprising both of us. Yeah, definitely. So good stuff on Street Fighter 6. I will definitely report back once I crack World well, War you, mode. You have to. Yeah, I will. I don't want to spend the $60. I want to just hear it from you, and then I'll know. I'll let you know. Fill you in. So, but, but otherwise... Thumbs up. Okay, which brings us to the final game of the show, which I'm very curious to hear about. 
Diablo 4. Um, I do like me some Diablo. Not a hardcore fan, but I do like Diablo, considering jumping in. But I was going to wait to hear what you had to say about it. And uh, now that you've had some time, Carlos, what do you say? Uh, it's pretty good. Yeah, so, uh, <laughs> and that's the show. And that's the show. Thanks for coming, folks. Thanks for coming. Um, well, so as you, everybody knows, if, if not, I, I did play the beta um, for two days, probably. I think two full days. Try to get to the end to, to win that. What is it? Um, the little puppy puppy backpack Puppy thing. cub, coyote yeah, yeah, pup. Yeah, yeah. Wolf, wolf cub something. Wolf cub. Didn't win it because uh, it got real hard at the end. Um, and that went down to the thing I talked about last time, which is level scaling. So they do have level scaling, just like I think every Diablo game has done um, in different ways. And, you know, it, it got really tough for me at the end, but I did enjoy it. Uh, I think at that time I told you I loved the graphics and it was really beautiful playing on PS5. Um, and why I'm talking about it now at the time of this recording, uh, the game comes out tomorrow. But I... I didn't realize it was even... I thought it was out already. Yeah, it's officially out tomorrow. And I pre-ordered it, which is a whole other tangent. Um, and I'm going to definitely do a sketch about, uh, or no, I did a sketch about it's up online. So right what now. were you playing now? Just the early access because you pre-ordered? Yeah. So basically I got to play it from Thursday, today's Sunday. So I've been playing it for a few days and then, yeah, it comes out tomorrow. So I'm playing it early and just quick aside, the tangent, I made a, a, a comedy sketch about it where like people said, Hey, don't, you know, pre-order anything. You're an idiot. If you pre-order things. For me, I already played the beta. I knew what the game was, and pre-order says I could play it early. So fuck you. I'm gonna pre-order it. <laughs> like anybody who says like, "Oh, you were dumb." I'm like, no, I'm not. I know exactly what the game is. I already played it. Um, it's only better right now. Yeah, I mean, if you know what you're getting into and you get it two days earlier, then I mean that that's a pretty convincing case right there. Four days earlier. Yeah. Four days earlier. Yeah. Even better. So I've been loving it. Um, Flash forward to where I'm at. I'm level 27 already. Okay. <laughs> Fucking ingesting this game into my system. Um, and yeah, so let's just talk about, there's so much to talk about, but I don't want to go too long. So is it the same game as the beta? Pretty much. Um, I think the difference is this. It is one of the first Diablo games. It's the first Diablo game that's truly open world in the fact that there's even some zones that are like higher level than you. Okay, um, and it doesn't it doesn't scale. No, it, well, it scales. Definitely, there's level scaling. But my point is, there's just just higher levels too. Like, okay. it's it, it never is easier, which sucks. But it's like I've been finding zones that are like level thirty seven, and I'm like level twenty seven. You know. Okay. Um, but they let you go there. Basically, you can go anywhere, do any of the campaigns in any order. Interesting. Okay. Now I have been going the traditional route mostly uh, when it comes to the main campaign because you could do some of them out of order, but I've been kind of going in order. And like some people online, it's such a massive world. And there's so many side quests that I'm just like fucking around in like two, two or three main towns and just doing tons of side quests. Um, you find dungeons everywhere. You can go and clear them. Um, so there's just like this amazing satisfaction of just completing all the little things on the map including there's these things called, um, uh, what are they called? Uh, Altars of Lilith? Something about uh, Lilith, Lilith, um, the main enemy in this game. There's these little altars, I think they're called altars, and you can like get permanent uh, upgrades to your stats okay. just, by, just by finding them. Gotcha. Okay. So there's no like, you know, there's no attacking a monster and beating a boss. 
It's just like they really encourage exploration because not only will you find those, but you'll find like a little teeny mini dungeon, which is like one room. You know, you don't have to <laughs> one like one room dungeon. Yeah. It's like the studio apartment of dungeons. Yes, it, it costs two thousand dollars a month. Oh, still, um, yeah. The prices, my God. You go downstairs like a cellar, you know what I mean? And it's just like go to the big room in the cellar and beat the area. Uh, there's like uh, the side missions that there were these exorcisms and they're like, go and like do this exorcism. But then the, of course a demon's going to come out. You got to beat the demon. But I like that there's like these little short bursts of like, you know, go do this really quick, small thing. So it just makes you want to go ra- around the map. Um, it's flash forward. This game's fucking great. Like, okay. Okay. I'm trying, I'll try to find some cons, but in general, um, I like the story better. I think they really focused on creating more cutscenes, as you probably have seen. Most everybody's seen the intro cutscene. It's pretty grotesque, but also very intense. And this whole story revolves around Lilith. There's you want to go to YouTube and search Diablo history because there's a lot of it. But essentially, Lilith is like um, she got it together with this guy Anarius. He was like the good angel guy. She's the demon lady. They helped create this world, which is Earth. And we're here, kind of stuck here because of them. And so she's kind of come back and wants to, like, you know, wreak, wreak havoc, but also make things in her own image. And she's turning everybody evil. Um, the whole world itself has, like, a very, you know, dark medieval Game of Thrones vibe. And I think Diablo 3 was more like, you know, bright colors and just explosions of explosions, if that makes sense. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. a lot of swirling and points and things like that and this feels like a world they built to feel dark you know all the side side missions are like <clears throat> you know because the graphics are so good in these you know war-torn towns and people are like you know scrubbling for food and stuff it just feels like the world is built and realized so much better and then there's this looming presence of lilith and the chaos that she's causing all over the world Qu- question for you yeah um, if I don't care about the story, is it possible to just play the game and have fun if you don't pay attention to the story? Yeah, and I, I, essentially that's kind of what Diablo has been, and I'm just saying that it's there now. But if you, you know? want it, it's there. But you can yeah. totally just like, who cares? I just want to like get some loot and gear yeah. up and kill yeah. demons. Okay, all right. Yeah, I mean, in, in every day to thing, like when I go play, play tonight, <clears throat> I actually kind of don't want to get to the next campaign section. I just want to fuck around. Mm-hmm. So that's all I'll do tonight for like four hours, you know? So that's there. Don't worry about it. Okay, cool. And if anything, like I said, they have more things to do, I think, like per square area than there was in other games. Um, The graphics, like I said, are awesome. I'm playing PS5. The only two cons, uh, well, three cons. One, I did pre-order it. uh, And when I pre-ordered it for two or three hours, it wasn't available uh, on my PlayStation because PlayStation had a licensing issue. Mm-hmm. So it didn't think that the game was out yet, which it wasn't. Oh, okay. So we couldn't play it. Uh, is it resolved now, though? It's resolved. Yeah, resolved okay. in three and a half hours or something. Okay, so that, that con is already yeah. already done with that but one. But it was frustrating con because you paid a lot of sure. money. Sure, paid a lot of money to get in and you want your access. Yeah. yeah. It makes sense, it makes sense. And then the other, other two slight cons are every once in a while I run everywhere because you can dash, there's a dash button. Mm-hmm. And I had a couple uh, rubber banding issues happen. What do you mean? This runs on a server. It's a games as a service game. It's that thing where you can never pause it, which is kind of bullshit. But because of that, if you're running and dashing sometimes, rubber banding is a game, a thing that happens in like uh, multiplayer shooters a lot where 
the server doesn't have time to catch up. So it pulls you back a little bit, your character. So instead of going forward because you're going too fast on the server connection, blah, blah, you kind of like look like you rubber band back. Oh, interesting. Okay. It happens in a lot of looter shooter games. Uh, again, if it's a server issue. And I actually got to see it real time when I worked uh, for a developer. So it's annoying, but it doesn't happen a lot, but it does happen. And the other thing is every once in a while, even on PS5 and it's smooth sailing, I will get a, a couple chaotic moments where frames will drop. Really? And I, mean, I didn't think are, it would drop Is there modes to choose from? You got you on the uh, You know, I didn't, even ch- I didn't even choose a mode ever. And I've been playing this game for a lot of hours. So I'm going to go look. I didn't even look. But the point is I haven't had to look. I started it, didn't pick a mode. I can't remember what, if I picked a mode. And it's looked beautiful as fuck and has been, you know, 100 frames per second most of the time. But every once in a while recently, I've been getting some big-ass fights, you know what I mean? And I'm dropping a couple gotcha. frames. Gotcha, gotcha. So, other than that, dude, the game's fucking money. I mean, the, the, the to speak of money, you know, Diablo Immortal got slam-basted for all of its monetization bullshit. I still enjoyed that game and beat it. We all talked about it. Um, but the only thing that I see so far is cosmetic stuff. And I don't ever care about cosmetic stuff. So that's there. There's a store. It's open. You can buy some cosmetic shit. Are there microtransactions or no? That's what I'm saying. Yeah. Oh, you, you are saying. Okay. You, actual yeah. money. Actual money. Okay. Yeah. Actual money. Uh, but I won't do that ever because I don't care about. I. Here's another quick tangent. You can actually in the game open up um it's called transmog right mm-hmm. where you like make you transform like things you find from weapons into clothing items have you used that in a game before uh i don't think so yeah that's what it's called in diablo okay and so basically anything you have armor wise you can change the look of it totally to whatever you want oh okay are you saying like it still has the same armor and function but you can make it look like a different piece of armor yes exactly. oh okay okay yeah i got you yeah there is, i yeah, okay. i hate that <laughs> i i'm a canon uh canon person like if i put, picked up this weird helmet and yes it's yellow and it doesn't go with my outfit and it's got five horns coming out of it that's what i found right right it's canon you know what i mean oh yeah i get you i get you i don't i don't actually um well that's not true i did it in wolong was the one time i did it because it was just too ugly. But in general, I'm with you that it looks like it looks and you wear it. If you don't, then you don't. So whatever. But let me let me ask you real quick. So yeah. um, I do I do enjoy a good Diablo from time to time. And I guess I'm kind of wondering, uh, like, like how, number one, how diverse is the skill trees? Like, I, I don't know how many classes there are, but within each class, like, are there like three or four different subclasses or like, what is the skill tree like? And also... Uh, how frequent is the loot? Is it because there's? I think there's a very fine line between too much loot and not enough loot. Like not enough loot, you get stuck with a thing that you don't like for too long, and it gets kind of boring. But if you get too much loot, it feels like nothing has any value because every five seconds you're getting a new sword, and you're constantly changing and changing. So like, what are the skill trees like, and what is what is the loot ratio here? What is your your time to loot? Answering those two to three questions is going to push us past the uh, the short show idea. Uh, we're going to be two in a and a half minutes. Show. No, I don't know. I can, maybe I can do that. Okay. It just brings up a good point because I'm glad you bring it up because it brings up my build, which we'll talk about that in a minute. But before, well, let's talk about loot. So I think it does a very good job of loot. Now, there's world tiers, which was introduced in, 
I don't know which version, but World Tears is like difficulty, right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I keep keep it on one because I want to play the game. I want to learn the story. I want to fucking. It's already hard enough, and like when you get mobs of monsters. So I'm on tier one, um, but in the different tiers, you'll get different drops, right? So you will get more legendaries and more kind of things like that uh, as it gets harder. That said, in general, I'm always finding something new. I don't know if that's what you're you know uh, looking for, but like I'm never like inundated to the fact that like it's not fun anymore but i'm always interested when i you know finally get a legendary or finally get a rare item i don't want to go to my menu every five seconds because i've got too much loot but i do want to be excited when i get a new piece you know like it's a very it's a very delicate balancing act you know what i'm saying well okay here's the thing there are a ton of rares so i am going to my menu a lot but i'm going to my menu for a different reason there's very few legendaries i have one legendary piece of equipment right now and I've been playing the game t- up to level 27. Um, I think I found four or something. But, like, I have one that I like, and it's my helmet, you know. Um, but the, the point is, there's a lot of rares, so there is a lot of menu shit to do with those. Mainly, you just salvage them okay, to get the shit off of them because you can – this is why I said it could take a long ta- time. You can upgrade every item you have. The, the trick is, do I upgrade something when I'm just going to find something better? And the short answer is yes, because if I've salvaged a bunch of uh, rares, I get a bunch of materials that allow me to upgrade, okay? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I find my legendary, and now I upgrade the shit out of it until I find a better legendary. Or I have a a rare item, I upgrade the shit out of it until I find a better rare. So that thing happens all the time. So that, you know, I I don't find it annoying. It's kind of like relaxing to me. But it's not like... I'm still finding a ton of commons, you know? Right, right, right. So. It, you know, yeah. And I don't mean to say that I don't want loot and stuff. It's just sometimes in some games where you just, you pick up stuff and it just gets really boring because no, nothing ever feels valuable because everything, you just cycle through it so fast, right? Yeah. Um, which is a bummer. So you, I want to get something where I'm like, I want that feeling of like, you get a drop, you're like, oh, snap, what is that? And then you like, you use it for like an hour. You're like, oh man, I love this helmet. This helmet's so great. I want there to be a reason to get excited, not just like it's a plus one. Or just Shit. like, you know what I'm saying? So the real answer then is th- is not that. The, the real answer is the problem is the level scaling because it's still a problem. Like, I love okay. this game. I'm going to play the shit out of it. I'm going to beat it. I'm going to keep playing it as a game's a service. There's no way that I'm not playing this game because they do everything else right, okay? Mm-hmm. But the level scaling, in my opinion, still is wrong. It's still fucking dumb. I hate it. And the reason why is because what you just said could be true. I have a great helmet. I just found this great, uh, I, I, by the way, I do dual wielding in this game. Okay, okay. It's my main, I'm a barbarian. Uh, dual wielding with axes, usually, axe and a sword. There's a lots of reasons why, and I'll get into that some other show. But um, with that, I lost my train of thought. What was I just saying? You were saying that the level scaling is fucked. And you right, have because I pick up great ones, but it doesn't matter because I will replace them because all of their damage is is negated when I meet any skeleton because the skeleton's going to be level 27. And so it's still going to be spongy, even if my weapon is better. Okay. And so that's the real problem. I don't find enough people talking about it because it makes it for me a less fun game. It still does everything else right with its addictive loop. It's beautiful game gameplay. And I think the better story building, but the problem is there. And I, I think it's fucked up because it doesn't let you feel really good, to your point, about something new you got. 
You can See, feel was, good, you can yeah. feel partially good about it. That was my question. Was um, I mean, ultimately getting around to it too was like I know that you like the feeling of getting better. I like it too. Numbers going up, but I I want it, maybe not for the whole game, right? Like I mean, I don't want to get like a sword and then the whole game is on like unintentional easy mode for the rest of the game. But like I don't want to always have the exact same level of challenge. I do want to have a few minutes where I'm like, oh yes, I'm kicking ass for like the next 20 minutes or something. And then, you know, maybe the enemies catch up or something. But so you're saying like, it's basically just kind of a flat line. Like you're always kind of having the same level of struggle. Perfect transition to the last segment, which okay. is the build. And so the build and the stats, and I think I told you this, this is why I was said I was excited to go back into it because I learned about this, is that this game is more about stats and your build than about leveling. Yeah. So yes, the short answer is it's a flat line when it comes to yeah, the skeleton's going to be five hits, you know, potentially. Yeah. But if I've leveled and I've unlocked enough things, A, I have more options, right? Like I can jump around the field. I can do all these different moves. If depending on your class, you have, you know, if you're a necromancer, you have all these skeletons with you or whatever. So you have more options that make it easier in quotes because you have more things to do. But on top of that, this is really a game about a build. Before I started the game, I went and looked online and found a build that I liked. And I'm a barbarian bleed build, which barbarian means barbarian bleed. Okay, that's yes, a good which means yeah. Too. Oh, it is too. Because what that means is I really focus on not like the whirlwind barbarian. This is in the weeds talk, but where everybody sees a barbarian that's spinning around in a circle, three sixty, just killing everything. That barbarian, by the way, is not doing enough damage. It's basically just doing base damage. A bleed barbarian goes slower like a stoic kind of uh, I'm role-playing as a barbarian. <laughs> but what it does is it does bleed damage on any enemy. I straight up can go into a fight, fight a bunch of monsters, hit it with my bleed damage thing, which takes a, you know, a certain cooldown or whatever. I can just leave, like dodge and go and fight some other monsters. Those motherfuckers might just die. Right, right. Because right. of bleed. Damage over time. Yeah, damage exactly. over time. Yeah. I'm also slowing them, and because there's such a delicate balance with this build... I built it so that every time I bleed them, there's like five levels of slow that they get to. Yeah. So that's going on as well as um, I, I just open up an ultimate. An ultimate is two barbarians show up and just clean house. Like, and you can, it's 60 second cooldown on that, right? Mm -hmm. So you can't use it all the time. Right. So that's my short answer is it, it really isn't about your level and sometimes not even about your weapons. You just got to make sure they're good. Uh, and this isn't for everybody, but it really is about you building the build and that right. makes you better right, because right, right. I have this thing called death blow, which is like insane damage, but check this out. I have to kill with it. If I don't kill with it, it goes to a 15 second cooldown. But if I do kill with it, there's no cooldown. Gotcha. So, so it, like, it's such a fun, a little, yeah, it's like a mini yeah. game, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I'm doing bleed. Death blow if I kill, death blow if I kill, death blow. And so, and that's just a barbarian. You know what I mean? You, they have those mini games if you're a necromancer, if you're a rogue or whatever. So I think that's the brilliance of this game. And it and it's kind of comes at a cost of it's not about the swords and the weapons. Right. Well, that makes sense, though. I mean, you know, because build, I think, is a pretty key part of something like this. And I mean, I guess are you, it sounds like you like what you've landed on, but are you pretty happy with the skill tree? If you didn't want to go whirlwind or bleed i mean were there like three other barbarian types that you could pick up on do you need to do like an online guide or are you just kind of feeling your way through it or like like give me a little bit more detail on that i would suggest everybody go to check out builds before you start because you will feel like lost 
Um, other games I haven't, but this one you you do want to have something in mind. Um, <clears throat> it's really helped me feel good about that mini game, you know, that I'm playing. Yeah. But the good news is this: the cost to respec at any time is like nominal. Oh, good. So you get your points back. You're yep. not you're not permanently committed to anything. Yeah. You're even like certain trees you can just reset. You know what I mean? Okay. Like, okay. Like I picked a move and I don't like that move. Reset it gotcha. at a small cost or whatever. So. Yeah, there's like 15 probably like different mainline builds you could do for Barbarian only, you know? Okay, well, that's so. good. You know, that's good because that's one of my main complaints about RPGs uh, is is not being sure how something's going to go. You invest in it and then all of a sudden you don't like it and you're fucking stuck. And then like you either got to go grind or maybe or maybe in certain games, which are real assholes, you've got a limited resource. These I'm thinking of Souls is what I'm thinking of where you've only got so many upgrade stones in the game and if you sink them in the wrong thing, you're just fucked. So yeah, good. I, li- I like the ability to respect because I don't feel like you should be punished and I don't feel like in a game... Like, what is the point of committing in a game like this when you're supposed to be just playing it over and over and having fun with it if you make a mistake, just undo the mistake. It's just a fucking game. Like, who cares? So that's well, great. Yeah. I'd love and to hear that. There's enough other stuff to worry about. They don't yeah. want you to worry about that. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So I think everything they've done, quality of life, they've done right. I think I hear a lot of reviews of people saying, like, this is the definitive Diablo game. Okay. And it, that sounds kind of corny to say, but I think it is because I played all of them. Obviously, one and two were really old. And even the two remake wasn't, in my opinion, very good. That was good. not great. That was yeah. not fun. And three was my most fun I had with the game. Same. But this, but this game is better because okay, the world is better. I like the you know the true Game of Thrones RPG, down destitute kind of world they built. Uh, I like Lilith's story. She's always been in the game, but like now you understand what she's doing to the world. Yeah. Uh, you learn a little bit more about Anarius, who isn't like just a nice angel. He's like a kind of a douchebag, and I don't know. I just think that. It's such an epic game. I'm going to be playing it all year. Um, it's fucking great. And it's made me think of a different way to play an RPG, which, you know, a double-edged sword, it isn't isn't about the level, and it isn't about my weapons as much. It's about these about builds. Build. Yeah. 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 And the build, if it's done right, I just went to a zone that's like 15 levels above me, and I didn't die because I was uh-huh. like, bleed. Death blow, bleed, you know, and I was doing this thing that I do. So you've got your little meta game going based on your building. Yeah. So that's like a whole other level of, that, of stuff that you're playing with. In the, in addition to hack and slash, which to me I think is really the best. I mean, that was one of the things I love the most um, about 40k Inquisitor was I really like the meta game of how your weapons, you switching between the weapons and the weapon loadout you had in addition to your stats and stuff. Uh, probably not as deep as what you're describing here, but kind of the same idea of oh, I've got a good build going and I've got these weapons going and if I can do these certain little mini games as I'm playing, that s- prevents the boredom of just hitting A a thousand times, you know? Yeah. 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 And, and it's weirdly enough, this build is, like I said earlier, is having me role play kind of a different kind of barbarian, you know? Because I always was whirlwind barbarian. That's the famous one. Yeah. Which is you hit one button, hold it down as long as you can, and just spin around everywhere. Right. Which, if right. you think about it, isn't very barbarian-like. <laughs> No, it's really tough to do. I've tried that a few times in real life. It's very difficult to keep in that real up. life. Yeah, yeah. and really if, even if you're a muscly barbarian, it's probably tough. Yeah, your um, inner ear has to be really strong for that kind of shit. <laughs> nice. But it is cartoony, right? And like, I just feel like I'm playing much more of a stoic, like slow, um, you know, but just deadly. As sounds fuck. more intentional too. Like maybe you're being more careful about what you're doing. You're not just 
spinning all over, but you're, you're maybe yes. looking for your shots, looking for your opportunities, right? That's the final thing I'll say is like, I'm aiming, you know what I mean? I'm there like you. focused <laughs> on what I'm hitting. Yeah, there you go. There you um, go. And with the bleed build, not to get into it, I'm, I can really nerd out about it, but like it's a ranged one or area of attack kind of. Mm -hmm. So it's like it can get three or four people right in front of you. So if you time it right and position yourself right, you bleed four enemies. So now they're all slowed and have all these debuffs. Then you do a death blow and, and they can't move because they're slow. So you could keep doing death blows. So yep. it's like this yep. beautiful symphony. So you've got a good little system going. And I bet there's probably equivalents with the other builds. I mean, not the exact same thing, but probably little metagames that you can do for each build and stuff yeah, to, exactly. kind of, to yeah. add some richness to it. So cool. That sounds great. I'm very excited about this one. I don't think I'm going to jump in right now because I've got like too much on my plate, but it does sound like something that I would like to play. Maybe I, I, I know that you're not a multiplayer guy, but online multiplayer, of course. Yes. Yes, it does. And my buddy is going to get it. I don't play the, you know, multiplayer anything, but it's cross play. So he's going to buy it on PC, okay. and I probably will jump in. Um, right on. Oh, and we didn't even say it, but like the thing from Diablo Immortal, the um, not asynchronous, but the multiplayer aspect where people are around, and they sometimes just will join your battle. Oh, um, gotcha. Like little instances and stuff. Yeah, there's instances. Um, obviously, they're in town, like an MMO. But like there's, um, what is it called? Yeah, instances, I guess. And also world bosses, which I haven't seen one yet, but where like everybody just goes and fights something. Oh, that's cool. Okay. So that's there too. And that's just like another level. Like I don't see many people in my map, which is, you know, Diablo Immortal, I saw a lot of them, but I do see them sometimes, uh, even out and about, right? I'm just fighting a monster and I'll see them here and there, but it's very few far between. It's mainly if you play it solo, it's solo. But I like that the fact that it's so seamless when you want to do it. Right on, right on. Okay, maybe this uh, this sounds like something me and the wife probably would jam on. We, oh, she, yes, she and 100%. I used to play a lot of these things. So this this sounds like maybe our next big co-op thing. So yep, we'll check it out so. for sure. All right, cool. Excellent, excellent. Sounds like a winner. It is. Check lot, it out. A lot of winners on this show today. A lot of good games that we talked about on the show. So right on. All right, folks. Um, we're just about out of time. Uh, we usually do like a little wrap up here. One last thing before we go. I've only got like a, like a couple of just real quick things. Anything, Carlos, before we go? I already mentioned the entire history of video games. Check it out by Never Knows Best on YouTube. Um, I keep trying to get into Unicorn Warriors Eternal, but I can't. I've heard about it. Is it you bouncing off because what? It's too I, weird, silly? What's, what's, bored. what's I'm bored. the... Uh, like bored 100 with it? bored, yeah. Really? Oh, well, you okay. would hate the art style too. I, you yeah. would hate it. I am not a fan, but I am looking for a new show. So <laughs> you, no, you're not going to want to watch it. I okay. If I'm already I'm on the fence, I don't think you're going to see it. But I'm trying to get into Manifest. Manifest? What is that? Do you not know Manifest? Uh, tell me about it. I don't think so. So it's a series that I keep trying to get into, and usually that's a bad sign. Is but this anime or no? No, no. It's that one like Lost. It's a four season show. They just released the last season, and it's it's a show about a flight that you know goes oh, missing. Oh, okay, okay, okay. I, okay, now it's like the flight. Yeah, I know yes. what you're talking about. I've never seen it, but I know what so you're talking about. Yes, it's lost, but with this is us. Right. You know what I mean? Yes, and I say yes, that because yes. I did not enjoy. You sure. know, I don't like melodrama, like super drama. We're always crying every other episode. Um, I like drama, but I don't like this is us. Right. So right, right. it's too this is us for me. But it's got like psychological, creepy, maybe magical something going on. So it feels like Twilight Zone, but like super Twilight Zone light, you okay. know? Okay. Um, so, but I'm still watching it. There's, so there's something to be said. 
All right. All right. It's on Netflix. Interesting. Yeah, yeah. My wife has uh, earmarked it as one that we might get into. We haven't got around to it yet. So check it out because I would like. To, I, th- I bet you would like it more than me. Well, it's possible. You never okay. know. We do watch. We do watch some dramas once in a while. So, um, speaking of TV, I don't have a lot of TV to report on just because I've been so crazy busy with a bunch of um, work stuff lately. Uh, the wife and I haven't really been watching anything, but we did last night finally just take a take a break. Uh, forced break and we watched we caught up with Barry uh, oh you know, yeah it's yeah. finished we're on yeah we, we were waiting because I wanted to didn't want to start watching it until it was over because I knew we were going to binge it right right um, and so we're on episode five I'm not going to do any spoilers but wow they're doing some real experimental stuff with this season they're they're really going places and storytelling techniques that I was not expecting did you see the one and this is not a spoiler but they're in that little cabin, right? Uh, yeah, out on the prairie or whatever. Yeah, the fuck are you is? talking about yeah. the really kind of weird one in the cabin? Yeah, that was the yeah. one that I just watched last night. So that was kind of like Fucking a head awesome. trip. I All of it even... directed by Bill Hader, by the way. And, and it's really good. Like I think it's really good. I wasn't sure if that was a dream sequence or what, and it was like that was wild. Yeah. Um. So that was uh that was that was good and that was interesting. I will say one thing. So this might be a slight spoiler for Barry. Um. I want to get your opinion on this. So folks, if you don't want to be spoiled on Barry season four, just jump ahead like two or three minutes because i need to i need to ask carlos about this but okay spoiler 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 um okay so carlos i don't know if you remember this or not but at the end of season three in barry uh hank who i love hank is amazing he goes to i don't know south america or whatever wherever it is that um cristobal is from Mm -hmm. and he goes to rescue him because cristobal is actually gay but he was married to a lady that scene okay yeah yeah. see okay you know what i'm talking about like he's getting tortured because his wife is like, you motherfucker, you're gay and you left me and I'm so mad at you and you embarrassed me. And he's getting tortured. Okay, I don't know if you remember or not, but at, at that scene in season three, when Hank finally gets to Cristobal in the torture room, didn't you think that Cristobal was fucking dead there? Yeah, I think he was drugged or something. I thought he was fucking dead, dude. And my wife thought he was fucking dead. Like, we thought he died right there. And so... When he comes back in season four, we were both like, is this a dream sequence? What is going on? Like, how is he still alive? We were like fully confused for like two episodes because I was like, I kept waiting for Hank to like snap out of his dream, Mm. except it was totally not a dream. He was alive. And I'm like, dude, I totally thought he was dead. Oh, I I I think I know what it was. It's because they made it look, even in the episode when I watched it, I felt like he was dead and that was it. Yeah. But I think he remember, Noho Hank like um, grabs him and starts like hugging him. And I think at the like last second he like comes to a little bit. Um, I we must have missed that. It. I should rewatch it because yeah. I thought he was dead. And when he came back in season four, I was like, "What's going on? I am so confused right now. I don't know oh. what's happening." So yeah, anyway. I, I feel that same vibe. But I'm gonna go back and watch that episode. I think he comes to like a little bit. He, he's like, "Oh, oh, what happened?" You know. It's, uh, maybe I don't care. Anyway, Barry's great. That's amazing. I love that show. Uh, yeah, I got nothing else. I haven't really watched anything. I haven't been doing anything. It's just been work, work, work. And what little time I have has been gaming, which we just covered. Yep. On this very show, and that's all I've got. Carlos, anything else? Two hours episode. We still did it, even though it's a short show. Our short shows are two hours long. This is a short show. We did a show. Yay! We did it. Short show. Yay! We didn't do we it. We did it. I'm disappointed in us. All right, folks, this is the show. Whether it's long or short, it's still a show. As always, we want your questions and comments. Send us up, SoVideoGamesPodcast at gmail.com. We're on Twitter, at SoVideoGames. Instagram, at SoVideoGamesPodcast. Uh, you can hit us up individually. Carlos, where's your traffic going this week? Go watch my TikToks. It's Carlos Rodella on TikTok. 
Cool. There you go. There you go. Hit those. Uh, as for me, same as always, I'm on basically every social platform, some more than others. It's my name, B-R-A-D-G-A-L-L-A-W-A-Y. All A's, no O's. And that's going to do it for me. This is the end of episode 339. Thank you so much again for joining us here on the Soviet Games Podcast. And we'll see you next week. We'll see you next week when I'll talk about Fable. Oh, and you're going to hate it. I already pre-hate it.